and welcome to a Burkamp Wonderland. We are officially a live Arsenal podcast again, which is, as I'm sure you'll agree, wonderful. Don't tell anyone, we've all just had a secret party, but we all can deny it. You ain't seen me, right? With me tonight, I have the wonderful Josh. Is Christmas still dead to you, Josh? I do not see a single decoration. Uh, there is actually uh, a lot of decorations to my right that oh, have shit. been put together, but they are not assembled anywhere. We don't have a tree. Um, Hanukkah's finished. You've still got your Christmas ladder out there, haven't you? That's oh, wonderful. absolutely. It's always got to help Santa down from the roof because he's getting old now. Can't we get down that chimney? Lockdown's not been kind to him. It's not, especially uh, considering uh, I've got Santa to bring Shana microwave because uh, <laughs> she's got her own house now. Good. Also, uh, I'll save the best for last. Also, it's it's Pirate Chris. We're going to have to refer to as Pirate because we've got two Chrises on tonight. Hello there, matey. Um, I'm trying to see anything festive there. Are no, you all dressed in black? Are you out mugging later or are you just cold? Um, Just probably mugging. Yeah, I don't do Christmas. No, I live on my own apart from my cat. There will be no decorations, no festivities, everything shit. Burn the world to a cinder. Uh, let's move on. Lovely. I agree with that wonderfully. And I'll say, say the best to last. is the cheeriest person here. He, he's got a lovely little Christmas house there and a Santa at the background. and uh, little Kinder uh, surprise, oh. which my team bought me, which has got all chocolates in it. Um, plus, <laughs> some snowballs for you. There you go. Oh, well, that one got me right in the eyes. Uh, that Kinder thing, that would have been empty of all chocolate within five minutes of me getting it. <laughs> I'm, I I'm not too ashamed to admit I probably have eaten some of the tin foil and some of the cardboard in my whilst I'm ravaging it <laughs> like an angry bear. All right, let's go and have a, a say hello to some of the people in the chat. There was people here early because we now um, schedule our shows. Chris turned up. I told him five o'clock, eight o'clock. We're starting. He turned up twenty-one seconds early. Hey, he's a changed man. <laughs> right, we've got Creftan. You got Sam Fisher. And uh, we've got Loki and formerly Noza. Look at that, Chris. Ridiculous, isn't it? That, that's how we ended the last show. Not that you'd have heard scandalous. it. But scandalous. We ended the last show with that. Uh, Mr. Waffles is there. Um, Stream Elements is there. I'm still not quite sure what Stream Elements does. I've named this show um, uh, Arteta, Clueless or Genius. There you go. That's a very short topic. Uh, Mr. Waffles. I've missed Carpenter's Boundless Optimism. <laughs> <laughs> you tuned into the wrong show tonight. Uh, Carnage is there on Twitch, and Julio Salmondo is uh, evening gents from Colombia tonight. Oh, the ladies of Colombia! Ay caramba! I'm not even sure if that's Colombian or Spanish. I've got no I've, idea. I've sampled some absolutely lovely Canadian, uh, Canadian, Colombian coffee. I thought you were going to say marching powder. <laughs> mm, I, I was going to go there, but no, their coffee is fantastic. Yeah, I think it not it the centre of where coffee comes from, I think? It, it keeps you awake all night. That's what I know about uh, their Colombian coffee. Especially if you snort it off yeah. the coffee, that is. I awful. believe that's the uh, traditional way to take it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and dear wonderful listeners, we now have a new option in StreamYard. You can put Q and your question at any point during the show, and then me and Josh can highlight it, or maybe even other Chris, but Mr. Pirate, he can barely turn a monitor on, so he won't understand I, what that star is for. No, don't no, ask me. I, I can barely read, let's be honest. I know. 
good. So, yeah, you can put your questions in at any point. We will save them up and then ask them at the end of the show. So um, where do we begin? Uh, should we just start with, uh, do we want to talk about the Man United game, Josh? Because uh, I did the two live shows for that, so you haven't had a chance to to uh, dance and shout like like a happy salmon for the, the, the wonderful ESR goal, which is when we should have stopped the game. In fact, technically, I think we did stop playing at that point, didn't we? So I think it was certainly close to that point. Um, I will say now that I was probably the, the main cause from it, uh, from the demise, due to the fact I gloated about us getting a decision at Old Trafford just after the goal was allowed by VAR. So, yeah, um, I think Chris witnessed it because we are in a mutual chat with a Man United fan and I gloated too early. And you know the rule of karma. Um, yeah, sorry, everybody. wasn't Arteta. wasn't the fact that um, I, we won't even go into Ronaldo's status as a fugitive or not, um, whether or not he should be on the pitch in general, uh, or any other United players for that matter. But uh, yeah, uh, it was all my fault. I can only apologize. You've gone there early. That's right. <laughs> early. <laughs> I mean, it's been a while since well. I was meant to do the. Uh... Well, has he gone to sleep? <laughs> he's bored himself to sleep. <laughs> he's that boy. He's, he's, he's like somebody put the, the I don't think he's, delete, and it's just. I don't think you realised you froze then, Josh. Just oh, as I you did. Like that. It looked like you bored yourself to sleep, <laughs> or you're having one of those um, gentleman moments that we don't talk about on here. <laughs> I am on my computer, <laughs> and uh, there's certainly some tissues behind me. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, anyway. um, have you, had you finished talking about that? I'm never sure. <sighs> Always, always finished talking when Arsenal got absolutely mugged over and part of it was our own undoing. Um, but of course, you know, um, even a guy who was a stooge for a PE teacher could beat Arteta at the moment. Oh, jolly good. All right, let's, let's keep teasing the pirate and get other Chris in. Chris, other Chris, what did you think to the game? And uh, at any point during that game, were you, oh, we're going to do it here. We're going to... Fourth place is ours. We've got one hand on that, that fourth place trophy. Do you know what? The Man United game, for the first 15 minutes, yeah, because what I saw in the first 15 minutes, obviously we scored the goal, but even before that, like the structure and the setup of the team and the way that we control the possession against admittedly a shocking Man United side that don't press, I mean, that's basically our ideal. A, a team that comes up against us that is the, the worst team in the entire league, like statistically, for pressing. And it felt like this was going to be one of those opportunities. But he just kind of knew that even as terrible as they are, they will always get chances. And what was depressing for me is when that goal went in, I just sat there motionless when the Milstreet roll goal went in. Went, I was motionless. And my wife came in and she was like, I thought I heard some noise. Was that from the TV? I was like, yeah. She's like, why aren't you celebrating? I was like, because they'll either rule it out something baffling will happen um and even if we do get it the moment will kind of have passed and that's pretty much what happened like we had to wait for about five minutes the moment had passed and then i was a bit like brilliant we're up but they're still gonna get chances we've just got to keep going and actually even though it's one one at half time i just kind of felt well we've been shafted by united by the refereeing decisions again on var so, you know, two games in a row, Tommy Asu pulled down and then obviously on Monday night gets his head kicked in. I'm sure we can talk about that. But, 
you've got that. We've, we've scored a goal. We've made Man United look very ordinary. So that first half, I was kind of okay-ish with. I felt we, yeah, after we'd scored, there was a period where we just kind of dropped off a little bit. But I didn't really see anything from Man United to scare me. But of course, the things that scare me are Arsenal. And Arsenal be Arsenaling, And that was what we did in the second half. Fire up. How did you feel about it? Did you take it you watched the game? There wasn't something more interesting going in, in, in France? No. I mean, there's uh, there were probably more interesting things on that are in France that are not even football-related. Did sure. you at any point go, I, I believe in Arteta here. This looks like it's no. working. No. <laughs> I didn't even finish the sentence. Just just no. Just stop at that. Just no. No, no. I, I haven't since about... It's been about 18 months since I, I felt that way. So no on that one. Uh, but I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it balanced. I'm not going to be. A, I'm not going to be a troll tonight. I'm going to try and keep myself in check. Um, no, I just thought we were. I just thought we were really poor again. Um, there's there, there's no there's no uh, to to quote a phrase I think I've used before. I get no enjoyment from Arsenal Football Club at the moment under this manager. None. I get I get no enjoyment out of goals. I get no enjoyment out of saves. I get it's just I just get no enjoyment out of them because I I know that. No matter how how well it starts or how well it goes in the middle, we'll always fuck it up somehow. Because because that's just what we do now. We are we are the most mid table of mid table clubs I've ever had the the misfortune to watch. Um, and you know, even having gone to a live game this year, you know, I enjoyed the experience and I enjoyed seeing lovely people like Chris. But the it was it was all a false dawn, wasn't it? And and yeah, I, I think I probably allowed myself to get a little bit a little bit into that. I wouldn't say carried away because at no point was I carried away. But I, I allowed myself to go. Okay, may, maybe maybe he has found a formula. Maybe there is something in this. Maybe there is a uh, a bright new dawn. Maybe he has taken the foot off the off the uh the the pedal marked micromanagement but it was all just a ruse wasn't it we beat let's be honest we beat some really crap teams um and some fairly good teams that are bang out of form leicester so as for man united you know worst man united team in 10 years they've got a convicted allegedly <coughs> convicted sex offender up front who we just knew was going to be mention any names i didn't i didn't oh, i didn't, good. I didn't allegedly um but no, I mean, you know, they've got, they've got. I mean, we we made Fred look look quite decent. I mean, that that says it all, doesn't it? You know, Alex Tellers looked the player he was at Porto against us. Um, you know, we we were given a, a one goal head start by a goalkeeper faking an injury, and we still couldn't win. That's the most Arsenal thing you could ever come up with. Um, no, I just, I just, I, I, I say, I'm I'm going to try and keep it balanced. I'm going to try and try and be fair. But at no point in the last two games did I ever feel like we were going to win them. Um, and you could stretch that back as far as Anfield, and and just I know we've we've done Liverpool because that was ages ago, but just to touch on games like that, if if one more person, if one more person says to me, well, you don't expect anything from that. Sorry, where where are our standards again? Like they used to be here, and they're now. I mean, they're not even. You can't even see they're that low. I, I'm just so sick of what we accept as mediocrity now. You know, Brighton went up there, got a point. Um, who else went up there and played played pretty well? I think Palace got a point last season. Yeah, are they better than us? Of course they are. Man City better than us? Of course they are. Um, are Everton better than us at the moment? Probably. So, you know, it, I, the mediocrity gets to me. And then when you go, you never have a better opportunity to go to Old Trafford and get something. And as usual, we got nothing. 
So um, pretty, pretty embarrassing overall, I'd say. Can I just um, jump in just with one quick thing and play devil's advocate and at the risk of really triggering Chris? Because, you know, mate, I don't <laughs> want to trigger you or anything. But I'm on the edge, Chris. Our, I'm on the edge. Our home form puts us third in the league in terms of home form. So home form is not the problem. It is the away form. We're shocking away from home. And we've now got two home games against, and admittedly, I don't think there's many of us on, many of the four of us here are going to think that we'll batter West Ham or, you know, maybe even pick up points against West Ham at home. But we do have, we're level on, we've got the same number of points as Man City. We're playing Southampton at the weekend and West Ham on Wednesday. If we win both of those games, we might be in fourth. I'm just saying. Can I can I be the devil's advocate to your devil's advocate to your it. advocate of devil? Um, we probably will win against those two clubs, Chris, and then we'll go and lose to Leeds. That's my devil's advocate. We're you not know? beating That's West Ham. The, well, yeah, but you say that, but this this is Arsenal. You know, every time the pressure comes on on the San Sebastian Steve Keane, he um he pulls something out. You know that that is what he does, and, and it, it's a it's a running theme. And we'll you know we'll hear all the sound bites, and we'll hear how the lads have trained well. It's their fucking job, by the way. Um, but we'll hear all about how they've come together as a group and Alba's smiling again and everything's great. And and yeah, we, we probably will get two results. And and you're right, Chris. Home form hasn't been too bad. It hasn't been. But but you can't rely on just winning home games to get in the top four. And you and you can't our form is so patchy that we we could be at home to Chelsea and Man City in the next two games and win both of them. But you know we'll probably play Burnley at home and shit the bed and and it's that it's that consistency. And weirdly, we we I think the home games, the reason why we've done quite quite well at home is because in the main we've got goals and we've been clear enough ahead of opponents to to hang on to games. Was it only was it the was it Palace? We well, we drew, didn't we, with Palace? Who was the yeah. game we won one nil at home recently where we really had to dig in? I can't even remember who it was now. Watford. Um, Watford, yeah. that's the one. Mm. You know, and we nearly threw and that Norwich. away. And well, Norwich again, you know, to, where I think the only game that we were really out and out and gone was ironically the game we were at, Chris, the Villa game, where I, I, again, sorry to be negative, but I look back now and I go, how much of that was how good we were and how much of that was how bad Villa were? Because Villa were bloody awful in that game. So, yeah, I, I take your point, Chris, I do. But I would worry that we could get two wins and then revert to type over the new year again. Yes, right. Now we've got the first topic out of the way, we're just going to do like we would just be chatting normally, so anybody talk about whatever you want. I've got, I've got us on the rails, and it's down to you a lot, so carry on talking. I'm looking for a, a tweet that I did that showed all the Arsenal wins and who they're against and what position those teams are in. Oh, here we go. I found it already. God, I'm fucking good. Don't wait for me. Oh, we are. Are we going to talk you about it so much? Are we talking about yeah. the um, the Everton game, or do you want to see my um, my thing? I think we because, can uh, certainly talk about the Everton game. Uh, the second time I've seen Everton play, and the second time I've seen Everton beat a side that I have an allegiance with, um, and it's something that Rafa Benitez comes alive when he knows that the team that he's going to play against are going to try and play some football because he goes right there's some tactics for me to fuck up here. And I could, he just does purely that. It was the same side and the same tactics that he played against Brighton that he played against Arsenal. Going back to that kind of fourth, normative 4-4-2, four, four, two, two banks of four, break up and then, you know, keep the middle nice and tight, 
don't allow any out into play, which you could see from from us. We really didn't sort any of the interplay out until maybe the last minute when at the first half when Odegaard got his goal. Because uh, that's purely because Odegaard realised, oh, I'm being marked here if I, you know, stay static. I better fucking run off the back of somebody and into the box and maybe something will happen. And Kieran Tierney will fire over his eight millionth cross of the game. Uh, and he might put it on target to somebody this time. Um, but I thought generally it just seemed like a very odd game in terms of bringing a couple of players back into the side that I didn't think needed to come straight back in. Um, I think there's an entire Arsenal fan base that would stand behind uh, my first point of saying Granit Xhaka coming back in, having not played since, what, he was out for two months with a knee ligament injury and has trained well, so apparently that's enough for him to do 90 minutes. And when he clearly looked like he just wasn't certainly 60 minutes in, you could see that the guy wasn't match fit. He just, he was absolutely gassed. And you just think there's a guy in Sambi that would give you that. Hell, El Nenny, he'd give you that kind of movement. Um, if we just brought him in, just somebody who even just isn't on the yellow card because they can just go in there. Decore runs at them again. Right. See you later, sweetheart stops him a lot closer to the Everton goal rather than giving away a dangerous free kick. And we've seen what we've been like with set plays, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit um, <laughs> with how we defend set plays. And that was the big thing for me. It was just, there was a lot of odd decisions in there. Again, Kieran Tierney, I'm not sure he should have been the first name back on. Uh, I think the weeks he's had out have been good for Arsenal. I don't think we look right with him on the left-hand side uh, with Martinelli. I thought the stuff I'd seen from Tavares, even against Man United, I just saw something that was just a bit more promising there. Um, I think the fact he's an outball for Ramsdale helps a lot more. Tierney just doesn't have the aerial prowess that Tavares has to then be an option for Ramsdale. And I think that for me, those are the big two things that I'm like, why? Why are those the players that you decide to bring in now? Um, but I don't know if either either Chris wants to come in on their thoughts of those two players. So with the Xhaka thing, I could kind of understand why he'd want to put Xhaka and Party in alongside of each other because when they were both fit last season what we got was it was almost a Granite Xhaka not making it the Granite Xhaka show. And it was Thomas Party was the main man. The problem we've got is that Thomas Party is massively out of form. And so what we've got then is we've got someone like Granite Xhaka that's then trying to turn it into the Granite Xhaka show because Thomas Party is so far out of form that it's just not working. I'm totally with you. And I think one of the things, so I'm not in the get Arteta head on a pike and burn it and then send it up to the four corners of the, your country type stuff but not i'm not there yet but the thing that really hit me with a game like that is as a coach there's there's ways in which you impact a football match you pick the side and you get the side prepared but then they've just got to execute but then in game the next ways as a coach that you impact a game is through making changes making tactical changes making switches making substitutions we waited until 70 minutes and even that was an injury before we even did anything and 
that th- that for me was a really depressing thing because I want to like Arteta. Mm. I want to agree with his style of football and the structure that he sets the team out. But what I saw on Monday night was a revert back to the old school football, and then a a kind of a an you know a, a kind of a, a shrug shoulders when that wasn't working after the first half because we were terrible in the first half and he did nothing mm. like. Arsene Wenger side, I don't want to go on about Arsene Wenger. <laughs> Arsene Wenger sides, you always knew that if they were shocking the first half, well, we won't be that bad second half. That wasn't what we got on Monday. We got the same, if not worse, in the second half than we did in the first half. Yeah, it was weird, with, the, especially when you say with, uh, with the Wenger side. You know from everything that Wenger has said that he normally just left them, the players to his own device, to their own devices to sort out those problems. And without being in the stadium and without, you know, being on the wrong side right now of the Amazon cameras that are currently filming what Arteta's doing. Uh, what, what is his team talk like? Is it the similar as Arsenal? And he says, sort it out guys, but I don't think it is that. Uh, Chris will probably come in and go, it's probably a micromanagy. It's probably a, this is what's going on here. This is what's going on there. And then Martin Odegaard's got more information in his head than he, he's needed for his GCSEs and he's just like, what the fuck? I imagine there's a lot of, a lot of PowerPoint presentations, Excel spreadsheets, uh, work day seminars, like, <laughs> and the pit crew will be like, you know, there'll be one member of the pit crew, each player. Um, yeah. I'm sure there'll be lots of fascinating stuff that will probably be really interesting. And I'm boring myself just even thinking about it. Um, and, and Chris is right, you know, uh, under Wenger, the, the two things you would guarantee you'd get in those in that era, substitutions at 68 to 70 minutes without fail. Um, and you'd get a team that would, you know, would would try and, and win the right way or die trying, you know. And I'm not suggesting that going up to Old Trafford and losing 8-2 or losing 6-0 at Chelsea is, um, you know, is, is enjoyable. It's not. But is it any worse like if I if I told you to sit there and watch Everton two Arsenal one again in full or Arsenal you know Man United eight Arsenal two, sure both would be would be a big shit sandwich. But would you really enjoy one more than the other? Like, is there really much difference? Uh, you know, other than the fact that you could probably say the eight two was a a clusterfuck of a mess of a team. In a, in a time where we really needed, ironically, to sign. I think that was the window Arteta came, wasn't it? But, um, you know, it's what what really struck me about that performance on Monday was, I, I'm again, putting it as fairly and balanced as I can, I was just so bored, like so bored. The, the, the Just this, this horseshoe of doom is just so depressing. And I... There's a lot of debate at the moment in the Arsenal sort of um, not not even the social media world, just the media world between the journalists. Um, there's some fraud called Collings who's been talking about this recently. Um, but there's there's a few people that debate. I think Gunnar Blog was talking about it as well, James, and I think uh, Chris Week. There's a few others, and they're talking about this idea of that they don't believe that Arteta is telling them to do these things. Um, and there has to be some responsibility on the players. And there's this sort of argument going round. It's like, yeah, you know, these they're young players. Who signed these young players? Who is relying on 
sweet mother of Mary, have please have mercy on my soul. Granite fucking Jacker is still pivotal to how we play football. Just, just, just for a second, think about that statement. Just for one second, think about that statement. And and you you know you hear it like oh other managers like him, no they don't because no fucking signed him. You know he was on a plate to Roma and they wouldn't pay the extra two million. And yet he is integral to our starting eleven. Um, his substitutions in that game absolutely baffled. Like, I, I genuinely have no idea. The Enketia thing, you know, don't get me started on Pepe. But why would you bring on? Why would you bring on a player who wants to leave in January anyway? And if you're going to do it, why put him on the left wing? Like, be, honestly. I'd, I'd say with Nketiah, and I'm annoyed that the fact he came on, but he was one of the best players for us oh, in, not, that, in that I'm second half. I'm not him. And I think that's the problem. Is a bit like, because I want to say Eddie Nketiah shouldn't be wearing an Arsenal shirt for us anymore because I don't think he's good enough. But on the day, he surprised me. He tried, it was almost to the he? level. Yeah. It was almost to the level that he impressed me. He would have had an assist if Odegaard knew how to shoot with his right foot, which I think is one of when we're talking about the glaring misses of that day. But Odegaard gets off scot free because he should be scoring blame, that. Eddie should be scoring Eddie. his chance. No, you can't, you can't blame him for that. He's in the no. shot window, isn't he? he no. He's playing for his future, and oh. I don't blame him at all. And he, I think it's and I'll happily him. take him. Sorry. It's the mixed messages, isn't it? That's the problem. Mm. We're getting yes. mixed messages here yeah. because yeah. we're getting... He's basically torched Pepe. So, yeah. all right, mm. if you're torching him, then why is he even on the bench? Why is yeah. why, why don't you just torch him like they torched Meza Ozil and we're like, you're not even in the squad, mate. You're not even getting an umpire. Yeah. See you later. But isn't, that's not happening. Like, one week, Maitland-Niles is playing against Watford and then, like, we never see him again. And, you know, you've got, like... Uh, this is bizarre. It's like Eddie and Ketia has come out literally this last week, and it's not Eddie and Ketia that's come out. It's his people that's come out. So you know, and when Sky Sports News are reporting it with such authority, his agent has gone to them. So Arsenal should be taking the view that okay, that's absolutely fine, mate. You're U twenty threes now, so enjoy that. Uh, mm. Because if we're not going to get any money from you, we'll go to tribunal and you can U23 it for the rest of the season and we'll have to sort our, our mm. solutions somewhere else. But we're getting these mixed messages. Um, you know, the stuff around, like you said, Chris, around Granite Xhaka, like even if he's is integral to the team, everyone can see that he's, he's knackered. He was knackered after mm. 60 minutes. And that's entirely understandable because he's just spent three months out. But... Mm. You've got people like Sambi, has been played, played really well, one of the best players against Newcastle. So everyone's thinking he's got more minutes in him. Like you could easily make that swap, Sambi, mm. for, for Xhaka on 60 minutes. And people would not be saying, today, even if we'd lost, people would not be saying, Granite Xhaka, what a nightmare. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. I mean, Granite Xhaka was partially at fault, but it's not his, his fault for the second goal, but not his fault because he basically got ghosted mm. past because he was absolutely knackered um, when Damari and Damari Gray's. Is, uh, is putting the ball in. But I think it's those, for me, it's those mixed messages that's starting to turn me yeah. against Arteta because, and this feels like last this exact same time last year, I thought he'd got out of that. I thought he played his, his get-out-of-jail card in Emil Smith-Rowe. I thought he's realised it. I thought he's got his team. He's got his players. He's got a system. And he's not going to revert back to the Granite Xhaka plays it out wide yeah. to Kieran Tierney, who goes down the line or comes back and comes back into the centre centre half and Gabriel, who then goes back out to Granite Xhaka, who maybe goes sideways to party. It's there's just not enough um, progressive 
play when you've got people um, like Granger. that's why i enjoyed the five or six games that we've had Tavares in at left back you know he's a proper i say he's like a venger defender is Tavares. He's not great going backwards. He's a bit Gale like... Um, he's Gail Fishy. He knows how to beat a man. You could see there was more dynamism. He wasn't just a one-stop shop of, okay, we've got Kieran Tierney, and it seems to be, uh, you know, revert to type. As you say, Granite Xhaka comes right back in the side. I thought some of the football we have played while Xhaka has been out, we, he, his absence was a large part of the eight-game unbeaten run that we had. Um, as you might say that... Uh, you know, Arteta had his Emil Smith Rowe period. I think we've just seen the back end of the Aaron Ramsdale era, of where you know Ramsdale came in. We had all these games unbeaten. It saved Arteta, or uh, at least proved to some of us that you know Arteta or whomever spotted Aaron Ramsdale and spotted something in there that clearly you couldn't see from uh, his performances at Sheffield United or at Bournemouth or even some of the Bournemouth coaching staff didn't see because they laughed at Sheffield United when they came in and offered, I think it was £20 million for him to buy them from him. They didn't see that player in him at all. And now we've seen him and we're going, okay, he's the second coming of Neuer or uh, a player of that kind of echelon. But why are we seeing that, Josh? Like, ask yourself this question. I know it's a small point in the grand scheme of things. I would... Our player of the month for the last two months has mm. been our goalkeeper. And I think he's you? been that good. I... Is he's he... needed to be that good. Though, he's needed he? to be that good. But I think it's not only... We're not talking about necessarily the great saves. I mean, the, the save against Leicester was incredible. I think one thing that would help in some form of competition is if we had any anything close to a functioning striker um you know we, we can talk about the elephant in the room but he was dropped from the everton side because of his awful performances comes back on is given an opportunity in the last minute one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper and you can see the reason why he spent 89 minutes on the bench because there's he's more, just there's more to that though isn't there do you think is there I don't know I if there's so. any more than, well, let's put it this way. My current theory, so current tinfoil hat, just get that one out, uh, has got the uh, African Cup of Nations written on it. That's one of my hats and saying the guy isn't going to get another chance at another AFCON because he's, what, 34 now? It would probably so still be. Old, is he? He's 30, 31, 32, isn't he? Bamiang. Yeah, don't think he's 34. I may be wrong. I don't think he's that old. Go on, Danny. 32 and a half. 32 and a half. I think the hair makes him look older. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a bit like me, isn't it? Everybody thinks I'm 40. But it's that kind of thing that we've got this guy who he should be up there every month as one of the top three options for player of the month, should have had me, but he just hasn't been. And Ramsdale has saved points for us. We can talk about the Leicester save, but I think it's what he's done generally in his all-round play. You know, the passing out from the back. You get Leno in there again. We'd look as shaky as hell. Wait for the cup competitions to come round, and Leno goes back in goal. That's the true change that you've seen in this side now that Ramsdale's back in it. Now, I thought, Chris, the point you were going to allude to was that the reason why Ramsdale looks so good is because he doesn't spend that much time training with Arteta. 
<laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> there that is might that. be something in there. There might be um, something. And, and of course, let's not forget he's he's an Arteta signing, therefore he gets to play every week. We all know that people who are not signed by Arteta are not considered to play ever. So that's fine. Well, well, we talk about it in Martinelli. I think he right now is very much the kind of symbol of how Arsenal are playing. Oh, he did some no, 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 every no, game. No, no. no do, you know, do you know what Martinelli is a symbol of? Martinelli is a symbol of Mikel Teta sitting there going, OK, so Alba's shite at the moment. That's fine. Uh, Lacas clearly also struggling for confidence and, and he's, he's, you know, he's coming to the end of his contract and playing that, like that. Mm. Balogun's off to somewhere like Derby or somewhere to rescue mm. somebody. And Ketty's got... Oh, there's that Brazilian. Oh, he'll do. Let's stick him in. No, that's fine. Yeah, he, he is. I love Gabby. He's great. He's fantastic. I've always said he... No, 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 no. You, you barely looked at the kids since the start of the season mm. when he was very unfairly. And I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's the next Anelka, but he's he's good. And and whatever mm. you think of him, he works his, his ass off. And he gives you he gives you that thing that we don't have for many of our other strikers. Um, it's the ability to actually move mm. um, and, and work the channels and show a bit of aggression. Um, he 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 was forgotten. He was he was put in the box marked Callum Chambers, Pablo Marie. <laughs> Uh, Balogun. Pablo who? Never heard exactly. of him. <laughs> all all the, the, the Brentford box, he was tarred with that brush in terms of players mm. that have never been seen again. Um, and unfortunately, as I say, I, I, I'm not saying that he hasn't worked his way into the team. I'm not I'm not completely throwing mm. Mikel under the bus here. But I don't think he's got any choice but to play him because all of our other strikers are so off form. It, it's it's a shot to nothing, isn't it? It's it's that well, plus the fact that he brought him on as a sub and he scored, and Arsenal went, "See, I'm a fucking genius." Well, you play the game now, son. There you go. And and and, well, what, and and that goal doesn't. Chris is a coach. You don't score that goal unless you're confident in training. Yeah. You know that that goal he got against Newcastle is not a goal that you can just throw a guy in and go, "Go, on, mate, go and crack on." You know, maybe at our level, at Sunday league level, yeah, sure, every dog has his day. But generally, you, you've got to have a good technique. To, to take that sort of finish. That's not something that you just go, oh, I'll just swing the strike on and hope for the best. That was a sign of a player who's training well, who's confident, who's ready to take his chance. And whether he's given five minutes or 20 minutes, he took his chance. And he's rightfully in that, that side at the moment. But as we've said with these non-negotiables, you know, if, if Gabriel Martinelli's wife posts a picture of of something that Arteta doesn't like, as is seemingly the case with Maitland Niles, I don't know if you've seen that that's gone round, no, oh, all of a sudden, probably one of our our pit crew who's monitoring monitoring social media developments, <laughs> and he's banished to the stands. Um, for those who don't know, Maitland Niles' girlfriend, I think it was, posted a a um, uh, an Instagram story which basically said, "Still can't understand how you can be man of the match one game and drop for the next." Blows my mind, or something like that. And mysteriously, we haven't seen Ainsley since. <laughs> and and on one hand, you could say based upon what happened in the summer, maybe Ainsley could do with just, you know, maybe just putting the phone down. And But he doesn't have control over what his, his partner messages. Like, you know, under this under this dictatorship, because that's what it is, you can fart the wrong way in training and apparently you don't get a game. You know, I, like, I thought it was the other club in North London that had a dictator for a manager, but I'm not so sure anymore. Like, Chris, is there, can I ask a question? Is there anything that could happen that would turn you around? Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Yeah, um, in terms of the manager. Yeah, yeah. I just want him. I just want him to stop being. Um, I want him to stop thinking he's Pep Guardiola, 
and I want him to stop trying to make a point, and I want him to just, you know, ev- like I want him to learn, Chris. I really want him to learn. You mentioned the Xhaka thing. Do you remember when Thomas Partey when was rushed back in that Tottenham game? How well did that go? Well, I know what we'll do. Literally a year later, we'll just put granite out there. And and again, like speaking from you as a coach, you know what it's like, mate. Saturday night or Friday night, whenever you, you play Saturdays, don't you? But the night before your game on a on a, on a weekend, you know, you, one of your whether you, whether everybody else agrees or not, one of your best players texts you and says, "Oh, Gaffer, you know, I've, I've my hamstrings all right. I'm fine. I'm good to go, Gaffer. I'm good to go." You go. Yeah, all right. All right, I'll stick you in. I'll stick you in. But you you do that because he's one of your best players, because it's at our level. If your job was on the line, you probably wouldn't do that, would you? You'd be like, Well, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna play the players that are fit, I'll introduce you gradually. How 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 could he not learn from that situation? If 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 Granite pulled up after six minutes of that game, that would be a massive story. He got through the game, fine. And and it's very clear to me that he would have come to the manager and said, "I'm I'm ready to go. Stick me in. I'm good to go, Gaffer. Put me in." Well, okay. So Granite gets back in, but Kieran Tierney returns from injury, nowhere to be seen. And I'm not that's not a, a knock at Tavares mm. at all. He he took his chance and did well. But well, so why was Kieran Tierney not not brought back in? So to answer your question, yeah, you know that there's a lot of things. And and like you, I I've said this from the beginning and I'll continue to say it I want to like him I really do as a player I loved him I'm still famous on this podcast for uh, a certain quote back in the day um, but he he's you know I, I like that he's passionate I like that he cares because he clearly does and as I, I tweeted this the other night you know I do not doubt at all that he loves the club I don't doubt that he wants to succeed because this, you know, let's be honest, this is his big job, isn't it? If he doesn't crack this, mm. he's not going to manage a big club again. And I, and I don't doubt that he is trying to learn. What I have an issue with is that everything about Arsenal is so tied into this manager from, from you know, Josh Kroenke downwards. Mm. Everything is invested in Arteta. And it feels like he can continue to make the same mistakes, alienate the same players, you know, make the same clueless tactical errors, and and it, there's always something, you know. And, and it's that and kind the only of. Other, I, the the just, only other thing I'll just wrap on this, Josh. Yeah. Sorry. The only other thing I was going to mention is um, somebody brought this up on another podcast, and I I never even thought about this until today, and it and it actually piqued my interest. And I thought, you know, what, that's a great point. Who on earth, who on earth, went to our sister and said, "Do you know what'd be really good, Mikael? Do you know what'd be a really great idea? When you go to that Arsene Wenger thing." <laughs> Tell the fans that you're desperate for him to come back. That won't make you look weak at all. <laughs> Who on earth advised him? Don't get me wrong. I would love to see Arsene back in the stadium. I think we all would. Well, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us who've got a brain would love to see him back in the stadium. But how weak does that make him look when he's basically on his knees going, I'd love Arsene to come back because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, and I've never looked at it like that before, but it, it made me think earlier on and I went, mm, actually, that, that's a bit of a cry for help, isn't it? I mean, it's less of a cry for help than, you know, not using your old manager's parking space um, as weak <laughs> mentality managers go. No, that one. Uh, I think Arteta does park in his parking space. But yeah, I was going to say, it's one of those things that sometimes the most intelligent thing to do is say nothing, is to not not answer the question, but as we were kind of saying with Arsene, that 
the mystery around how a problem was solved into how did you, you know, how did you get the team to come back together or what happened here? And sometimes Arsene would just go, as we kind of mentioned, or I mentioned already, I just told them to go out and do their stuff. I left them to their own devices. And I think that's the kind of thing that Arteta's going to learn at some point. And I think all managers do it because obviously right now he's trying to build a reputation. So of course, everything is his idea. If it's good, yeah, I told him to do X, Y, and Z because it makes it, it gives him that kind of foundation because every manager, especially continentally on the continent has a philosophy and if he wants to be a manager, and I, he seems to be a manager that will move around um, around Europe when he's got the choice. You know, as a player, he was fairly nomadic in terms of which leagues he went to. I think he's trying to establish for his next employer because, as we're saying, some of the results, and there's been times where you'd think this is the time the Cronkies are going to snap with him and it's see you later that he needs to be able to show his body of work. and So it's all about him, mate. So Arsenal got the is right now. a CV. I mean, that's embarrassing. That's... But then everybody does, don't they? Every job is your CV. If you boil it down to this is a job rather than this is an emotional entity, sporting entity that I support and I look at it purely emotionally, that's not what they're here for. We know it was players. We've seen... Think- do you think Antonio Conte's gone to Spurs to 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 enhance his reputation? He's gone because nobody else reasons. nobody else gave him a job. Like I think Antonio Conte is slightly different because we're talking about a manager who has already got a foundation of work. It's like a Roma signing Jose Mourinho because Jose because of what Jose did at Man United. No, no, it <laughs> or at Spurs, they're doing it because that's yeah they're trying to get back the guy that a couple of seasons ago he did this. Right now Arteta's got fuck all on his CV. If you go two years back, he was putting up the codes for Pep. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's 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 what worries me. And and um, I just want to pick up really quickly. Mm. I, I want to ask Chris a question, but um, Rudy said, um, and this is not a knock at you, Rudy, because I think mm. you make a, a completely fair point. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about, and that's perfectly fair, by the way. But fully disagree. After every game, I've had to say the right things. He knows what's going wrong. Unfortunately, experienced players don't follow. Rudy, that's his job, my friend. That is his job. You know, I, I'm I'm so tired of him coming out, and I, I I will admit I have openly mocked him a few times on on my Twitter. I'm sorry about that, but I'm frustrated as everybody. But I'm so sick to death of these press conferences because he talks a brilliant game. He'd make a fantastic politician. He, he says all the right things. You know, he also, let's not forget, is very, very good at throwing his own team under the bus. Let's not forget that because he does do that an awful lot, probably too much for me. And that's an- another thing that other managers who have got experience don't do. They take it on themselves, not on the players. Um, but he, his wording is brilliant. He's media savvy. His media training is fantastic. But my issue with what Rudy's saying there is how many more times you know, how many more times if we finish eighth at the end of the season, is he going to come out then and say, yeah, it's totally on me. I sign these players. You know, we have to work harder. We have to do better. It's too late. Like, it's the same. It's the same soundbite over and over again. And and I was going to ask you, Chris, um, and this, this is not in any way mean to, to throw you under the bus. Can you tell me the last time that, A, you got some proper joy from watching this team? And I mean, like, you really sat back and went, that's my team. Can you tell me the last time where we genuinely played really well? First half against Tottenham, 3-0. Absolutely brilliant. It was okay. good football. It was um, structured, well, pre- well, good pressing. 
Um, it was a side that had um, a purpose, an identity, and a drive. The challenge that we've got is that we're seeing that in fits and starts, and that is we've got only small pockets of data that show us the potential of this Arsenal side, which is why when I talk about I want to for it to click, every time I feel like it's about to click, it just falls apart. It's like a house of cards. And that's my biggest issue. And the other thing is that I'm starting to realise, particularly when you look at some of the stats this season, I don't actually know what type of team we are. Like, I was just looking at FB Ref earlier and looking at some stats. Like, we have the second lowest number of pressing uh, behind Man United in the entire league. So we're not a team that presses the ball. We can all see that. We all kind of know that. Um, but we also have the second lowest number of tackles that we make. So we're not a side that's making tackles. We're bottom of the league for tackles one, um, uh, tackles one in, in, and we're third worst for crosses. So we're not crossing the ball. We don't get the ball out wide and put it in. We don't press. We... We are, we're not an intense tackling side. Um, we're also, we're, what's weird is we've got the sixth highest number of touches in the final third. Now, that one really baffled me. That's all them because, crosses to no one. Well, yeah, I think this is what Chris is talking about. It's the from defence, from the first third to the second third. That's when most of the time I think actually we're sort of all right. And then we get to the final third, and it's like, what do we do here, lads? And I think I do think that that's when we're looking at the Pepe's, the Aubameyangs, the Lacazettes, Erdogan not quite clicked mainly, and we're relying on essentially two young kids who are just out of um, teenagers and you know, nineteen and twenty year olds, or just twenty twenty one year olds that we're expecting every single game now to to be successful, whereas. 10 years ago, we'd bring in a 19, 20-year-old. Even like when Iwobi broke onto the scene, he was still surrounded by other good players. So when he had a dip, then you could say, I'll oh, just, just haul Iwobi off and give him a few games sitting on the side. But he can't do that at the moment. And that's the biggest yeah. issue is that final third. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. I think this what's come with Martinelli right now gives you a good idea of what uh, Arsenal were like as a side. You know, with Man United, we thought he was absolutely superb. And the next game against Everton, against arguably lesser opposition, he just wasn't, you know, he was putting out maybe a six out of 10 performance compared to the eight that we saw against United. And then it was just kind of talking about the kind of build up play. It is, it's then the problem is that movement of the forward line. And obviously, there's a great thing that uh, we can talk about what Pep does and what Arteta does in terms of build up we're fine in terms of we can get the ball to that final third and then there's an issue. And that's where I don't like uh, Xhaka or Tierney being in that side because they're one-dimensional in the balls that they're going to play. They might be one-dimensional because the, there's no movement. So their only option is knock it down. Uh, you know, Xhaka gets the ball, he plays that perfect ball in. And to be fair, that's how we scored. Uh, was Xhaka had the ball, he played it down the channel, to Kieran Tierney, who ran onto it, crossed it straight in for Odegaard, who made a decent bit of movement and scored. And we've seen Tierney do that's how half his assists have come, is that exact same pattern of play. I think the problem is that when Tierney is in the side, he is such a big figure in our creative play, or has been. And we can look back to Unai Emery 
for that. He's been such a central figure to how we create. It's a bit like the issue we have with Meza Ozil, when Meza Ozil didn't turn up to games, that we play all these passes into him and it's pointless because he's just not necessarily up to it or the rest of the team though. isn't at his speed. We don't create. We don't create because there's no movement, because you need movement yeah. to create, right? And we haven't because, got any uh, pace in this team. Well, we have, it's on the bench, but, you know. We certainly have, uh, but you could also, I say with pace, is you don't need pace in a side. You need agility, certainly, but if your side, you, know, you can either have a team full of quick players or a team full of slow players is just as effective as a super quick team if the build-up's right and they're very clever in their short, you know, kind of agility. And we don't necessarily see that. When was the last time you saw, uh, you know, a Bamiang run off his marker? He's just that short, that short little burst of space. Uh, we could talk it back to Martinelli as well. We saw that against Everton, didn't he? He had one chance off the, off the shoulder of a player and he was gone every single time because he's pushing for it consistently. And there's something about it that we want to push that in for him. We the, want the, to be the playing only, those balls. But. The only time we got Aubameyang in behind running onto balls was was when, ironically, when we got the success under Arteta and winning that FA Cup. When, let's mm. be honest, and again, I had the, the Arteta shaded spectacles on as well. Let's be honest, we shithoused our way to an FA Cup. Mm. We, were, we, we were god-awful to watch, but we were effective. And and we gave him a pass back then because he came in and he, you know, and he basically made us hard to beat. And he made us that low block counter-attacking team, which heavily relied on Aubameyang. Arguably, you know, the reason we relied on him so much then, we've arguably now, that's cost us because we got so much out of him in that season. He's almost blown out since, Um, you know, and, and the longer this form goes on, you know, I'm sorry to say, the more people are going to look at that contract and go, how much of this was was the club trying to make a statement about not losing a big player and how much of this was, you know, and I, I'm not one of these people that subscribes to the idea that he isn't trying or that he doesn't, you know, want to try. I think he does. I, I do. I just think that this system, same with Lacazette, is not built for the strikers we have. The, the, the system we have arguably is built more for a, a Giroud than it is for an Aubameyang and a Lacazette. You know, we, we bought in... I don't have the numbers to hand. Danny can dig them out if he wants. But we signed one of Leon's most prolific strikers in their history in Lacazette. And ever since we signed him, except and briefly under us, and obviously when he came in then, he has been played as a, you know, a deep-lying playmaker number 10. He's never been a number 10 in his life. I mean, he has. He wore 10 at Leon. But you get my point. He was a striker. He was a player who played on the shoulder. And in those days... He looked sharp. He looked lean. I know we you joke it's about his, like the new Ian Wright. Yeah, mm. I know. I know Josh. You joke about his big backside, and he has. <laughs> but he he was brought in to be like the Sylvan Wiltord of this team. You know, the player that would come in 10, 15 games a season. Sometimes he'd start, sometimes he wouldn't. But he'd offer you that little injection. You know, that that predatory instinct in and around the penalty area. And when he wasn't scoring, Aubameyang was. And you and you, you know, those two strikers you could play anywhere. You could play four two three one and play Alba wide. You could play four four two. You could play four three three. And and we've got, as I say, we've got two strikers now. One striker who doesn't know if he's a left winger, a striker, or a bench player. He's on a massive contract. But we've got another player who 
you know, he still hasn't had his future confirmed. Let's be honest. You know, we're running his contract down, and and yeah, you know, I freely admit Lacquer isn't isn't the striker we signed. He isn't, and, and it and I hope he does leave because he deserves better than we're treating him. He, I he think one last shot. I think with Lacazette, we need to have a look at his output, even under Wenger. Uh, his best yeah, output it, in a se- in a league season is under Arteta. Yeah, it was last he, he was he was never worth the money we paid for him because Laka was never a fifty million striker. But that's not his no. fault. Um, you know, no. he he was a player that w- if we'd have got well, we could have got him for twenty five, you know, thirty million the, the summer before. Well, wanted to wait another season. Yeah, and that's on Arsenal, you know, and then and that's and sometimes you can. Rob. Um, I know you're saying a bit. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I can yeah. get other people's comments up. Jay Rob has given us two euros. He says, "Chris, tell Pepe to move on. He doesn't deserve this." I only turned it the donation things back on because we just paid seventy eight quid to get the new all the stream star stuff again, and we turned it off because last year we paid I think one hundred and eighty quid for it. But then they were doing a Black Friday special, seventy eight quid, ding dong ing. So cheers, J Rob. So, Carry on, Chris. So in, in short, all you freeloading scum, dig deep. All right, don't use Christmas <laughs> as an excuse. Okay, you've all got money. We've seen it. Come on, cough it up. I'm joking, um, but generously because i've got christmas presents to buy but yeah it's and and i again i want to ask chris on this one um let, let's let's open that that pepe box shall we chris uh because where i stand on it and taking aside my you know my enjoyment of french football because uh, if you if you're playing bingo at home there's your first cross in the box um he's another classic example of a player that albeit this is not on Mikel. He didn't sign him, but he was signed. Thank you, Danny. He was signed for the wrong club to play the wrong, you know, he was signed in a system that doesn't suit him. But what is going on? He hasn't started since. I think it's the end of October. He isn't getting minutes. His face when Nketiah came on the other night. I mean, you know, and what do we get from Mikel when he's asked about him? He won't be moved on in January. We want to get the best out of him. Well, I'd love to know, Mikel, how we're going to get the best out of him if you don't give him any minutes. Where, I mean, where do you stand, Chris? Because if nothing else, he gives us a goal threat, doesn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, he's over the last two seasons. He's been one of our most prolific players, both goals and assists. I've always been a fan of Pepe. There's a lot of people that find him a bit marmite because his touch sometimes can be a bit erratic. But inside the, what you want is you want penalty. Pepe inside the penalty box arriving. So when you've got, if you're going to play a game where you're getting your fullbacks out into the corners and cutting the ball back, you need Pepe arriving and he'll just slot those balls away all day. Um, he is, he's not a guy that wants the ball at his feet and then wants a million touches like Emil Smith-Rowe. You can give the ball to him deep and he'll be fine. It's system is an issue. I think, I wonder if there's been, there's something, something's happened his, four, his last game against Crystal Palace, he was terrible. But I can't remember. I, I heard it on a podcast. I can't remember which podcast, but somebody said, which was really, really accurate, actually. They said that Pep Guardiola does this with players. He mm. will, he will, what seems like torture player like Sterling or uh, Bernardo Silva. Like if you remember beginning of the season, he was saying, yeah, Bernardo Silva wants to leave. If we get the right sort of bid, then maybe, but whatever it is, Bernardo Silva is playing every week now, having not started at the beginning of the season. And I just wonder if this is Arteta saying to Pepe, no, I'm just going to bench you for a while. Maybe it is the ego. Maybe it is the ego. And it is the, it is an, it is an Arteta approach, which is, I'm going to just leave you out, not even look at you. I'm going to bring bring you along to games and stuff, but I'm not even going to look at you. And then 
it'll probably give him a chance. I would have thought it'll give him some sort of chance within the next three games because we've got, well, maybe not Leeds away because we know that uh, Pepe didn't have the happiest of times there last season. But I do wonder if he'll give him some minutes and then almost say to Pepe, right, well, now it's your chance. You've got 20 minutes here. You've got to prove it. And I don't know whether or not that's the right approach to a player like Pepe because he You'd feels like he's somebody that needs a big cuddle. Pepe needs, I feel like Pepe's a player that probably needs a big cuddle quite a lot. And, mm-hmm. and a side and built around him. Around yeah, his and, and I don't think Arteta's a sort of, he's not a cuddler. He's not a snugger. You, you imagined, you imagine the, um, what was the, and again, I know this is a bygone era. It, it's going back, but you, you imagine Pepe in, in the invincible system, the freedom that those two wide players had to come in from the wide areas you know, imagine him in that sort of system, he would thrive. That was the Lille system that he was playing in. That was that ability to play anywhere from right, left, central. You know, he was scoring free kicks. He was assisting. He was second assisting. Um, He just provided, and there is an element of chaos to him. There absolutely is. And like I say, I have, you know, do have to stress once again, this is, he was not a Mikel Arteta signing. I actually don't even think he was an Arsenal signing. He was a Ralph Sanyei signing. He was a he was a statement, and we all know where that went allegedly. But um, you know, but he and, and I and I genuinely think it was it was in an era, wasn't it, where we were chucking money around because we were losing players and we had to make a statement. Mm. Oh, one of the most informed players in France. Well, we can go and get him. We can't maybe get the La Liga informed player or the Bundesliga, but we can get the next best thing and the guy that everyone's talking about. Um, I think because we'd missed out on Malcolm the season before, hadn't we? And we didn't want to miss again. I know it's another one that ended up at Barcelona, but then Pepe was linked with exactly the same kind of caliber of sides that Malcolm was. And we all felt aggrieved when he went to Barcelona. Just turns out we've ended up with the next Malcolm. And and the point that Chris made is is a good one about Pep. Um, You know, the the difference is because Pep also did it with um, Sane and Laporte. He left Laporte out, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Stones. The, The difference is. With with your Pep Guardiola, um, a you're a massive fraud, but secondly, <laughs> there's another one for your bingo card. <laughs> He's got like if he doesn't like a player, he just says, "I don't like him. I want a new one. Give me a new toy." And they go and buy him. If Bernardo Silva had have left in in uh, in August, he would have just brought back in Riyad Mahrez, brought back in Raheem Sterling. If Laporte left, he would have just brought through, you know, Nathan Ake. Has he played for Man City ever? No. But if he lost one of those centre-backs, he can bring him in and get a tune out of him. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's great. We've always liked... They've got unlimited wealth. And they've got players that, you know, I say, if they lo- if Sterling's form drops, Mahrez's picks up, you know, and people, I think somebody said in the chat earlier on, like, well, you know, Arsenal don't need strikers. It's the modern game. You don't need a striker. You don't need a striker if you can afford the players like Man City have got who can come in or, you know, Bayern Munich, they've got, what, four different wingers. They can rotate any four of them. We haven't. We've got young players who are still developing. We all know how talented Saka is, but, you know, let's hold our hands up here. He hasn't been brilliant all season. He's had good spells, bad spells. Smith Rowe, again, he's been brilliant at times, and he's also gone massively missing in games at times as well because that's what young players do. Martinelli, the same. We haven't got a player in Pepe's age range to say, well, Pepe's not doing it in training, so we're going to bring in this guy. We haven't got that. And you can't just chuck in, you know, say Martinelli and Saka and say, well, you need to keep performing at the level you have been because the young players and they just won't do that. I you, think you that's the other, 
the other thing that we're missing as well when we're talking about the quality of you know the players that we're talking that Pep has left out in his way of doing it is that I don't see that kind of fight from Pepe. I don't see that quality in Pepe like Bernardo Silva. He hasn't got it, and he may it's have had it. Level. Well, he no, he he may have had it in uh, Ligue 1, and maybe some things when he came over has made him decline in the ability he had back then. Because players can peak at different times. I don't think he's the the player that we need. I'm happy that he's not coming on because I don't think he gives us anything extra. And the stuff he gives us, I think we can get elsewhere in the squad. He's so what, sell him in January for 10 million? I, the reason I mean, why I think Arteta wouldn't sell him is because he's not going to be in the fucking continent in January. And he can't sell him. There isn't a market. And we can't sell him. The market there isn't a market. Got, it's, it's gone. Like, it's gone. You know. Exactly. This was the, you know, the COVID market. We debate. could blame it is, you know... Uh, I think the worst thing to come out of COVID is the fact that West Ham started buying sensibly. <laughs> that was the biggest issue because we could have got rid of so many players to them over the years. They'd have taken a Miang on this current form for Imagine twenty million Jared pounds. Imagine Jared Bowen on our right wing right now. I mean, you know. Oh, <laughs> there's. I think we've got a question about would you take uh, Michael Antonio as our striker? No, because right we play him at fucking DM. I mean, that is a player who has played everywhere and anywhere for West Ham, isn't he, under Moyes? Uh, there he goes from uh, Julian Salmondo. And I think it's that kind of thing that we don't necessarily need a striker of that. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about Antonio generally. I think he's got all the attributes, but I think we'd want a flashier name. Yeah, but they're being they play in one position. If they play in too many positions, Arteta gets confused. He doesn't want them to be able to do too many things. But would you? Would you? I, I would you, like Chris? Would you go for a a Calvert Lewin? Because I I would much rather go for a um I. What's your I name? A French player, Jonathan David. He's Canadian. You tit. Do your research. Um, if you bit. if you. Oh. If I had a choice right now, and, and this is the question I'll ask you, if I said to you next summer you can lose both Laka and Aubameyang, which is my personal, that would be my personal choice. Um, sorry, Laka, I love you dearly, but you deserve better than this shit. Um, I would lose both of them, and I'd replace them with one marquee signing, i.e., I always say the Anelka signing, the striker that's young enough but good enough that you can basically build your next five years around him. He's the starting striker. He's your number nine. He's young. He's got bags potential. You put him in. And then bring in another player. And again, I always use this name, but a dabble suka. Somebody who's experienced, a bit weathered, who's a bit more of a target man, who can come on and do a job, um, but will give you that sort of, you know, 10, 15 games a season, whatever that might be. What would you do? Like, would you keep either of the two strikers we've got? Um, no. or would you replace them both? And if you did replace them both, would you go youth like Arteta seems to, or would you actually go for a, a name like Joseph? I am not fussed on names. I'm actually not fussed on age profiles unless it's either end of the spectrum. For me, the type of player that we need is somebody who 
is strong in hold up play because what the way that we build up you want to get the, you want someone you can just imagine a scenario we pick the ball up from defense we're playing the ball at someone like Thomas Party he wants to play a progressive ball forward he looks for somebody maybe on the diagonal to Odegaard who's found a pocket of space Odegaard's looking up and he's now turned and he's looking for somebody to make those channel runs in those curved runs in behind that's the type of striker that we want that you, that 3 years ago Aubameyang would do that the other types of build up plays that i think about is when we have we need somebody to the ball to stick to them you know the type of thing where ramsdale is pinging those balls in and you've got a striker that can control it and then release it off and then make the run so we i think i'm asking for a bit of a i don't know whether it's a unicorn type player because they've got to be athletic they've got to have pace and be willing to run into those channels spinning behind but they've also got to be able to hold the ball up have a physical enough body strength to be able to hold off the type of center halves you come up against in the premier league and is that calvert-lewin maybe is that this uh that chap from um fiorentina that my mate giles always goes on about it's decent is he that sort of player Mm. i don't but uh, can he adapt to the premier league don't know haven't seen enough of him wouldn't pretend to be some sort of um amdram uh scout or anything but yeah that's the type of thing that we need and obamiang is not that because he's only one of those or he used to be one of those which was he'd be able to run in behind and lacazette can occasionally hold the ball up but we're not getting enough from him and games like the everton game shows that he'd rather play deep in his own half or shunt it out to the left wing which is not where we need him yeah, I think that was the big thing we saw at the summer was the players that we signed, albeit they were young, some of them were more of we were signing this style of player. It was more about the type and what they were bringing necessarily about them being a name. I'm thinking Tomiyasu is the cheerleader for this particular group and particular point. Ramsdale as well, in terms of wasn't a big name, fits an age profile potentially, um, maybe a bit of resale value, but also he's got that kind of, he fits the team perfectly. I think we've all seen Tommy Osu's come in and we were a better side immediately as soon as he came in. And that seemed to be more like a, a player we were thinking about rather than, you know, where we say, oh, we're just going to end up going and buying a striker and then, oh, we'll give it to the manager and the manager can work out how he fits that striker into his system. There seems to be some actually considered thought to players that are coming into the club right now. You know, the opposite of the Pepe era. You know, that wasn't, as Chris just said, he wasn't considered, he wasn't a considered thought of how is Unai Emery going to get this into his side. Even as Unai has said, I wanted Wilfred Zaha because I already thought how I'd get that player into my side. And then instead he ends up with a player who plays on the complete opposite flank. I think in terms of strikers, going out with names as well, we don't need to pitch right at the top. I think, Chris, you were talking about the kind of unicorn kind of player. The attributes we're kind of talking about, you could get from a Danny Ings if you're talking for your Davos Suka kind of level. Uh, you know, He's only going to give you probably 20 or so games a season because of his injury record. But then you sign a younger striker uh, that can work with that. Um, what a name that I'm currently uh, getting and thinking about, and I'm sure because he's going to thrive under the new manager, Ollie Watkins, another kind of player that could do that job for us, fits that kind of profile. If they kick on as well, you're going to be banding them in the kind of same kind of names as you know, maybe 
not necessarily Haaland, but he's in that kind of tier of striker because of, again, age profile, knows the league fairly well. That's my caveat on Vajovic as well, is that Serie A strikers don't necessarily travel too well yeah. outside of Serie A. Um, I'm sure all of us would have cried for Kira Immobile to step out uh, on the Anfield, uh, sorry, the Emirates, but he's shown he is a he is a Not striker. Well, when when he went to Dortmund, you went, "That's a fucking coup." When he went to Atletico Madrid, you're like, "They've fucking done it again, haven't they?" Brought in another striker. Where's he ended up back at Serie A? It's the only place think, he could score goals. I think you have to caveat that slightly. I hate to sound all. I hate, I hate to go mm. full Welsh here. But um, I think John would tell you it's not so much Serie A strikers don't travel, it's Italian Serie A strikers don't travel well. Mm. Uh, I think there's plenty of like, you know, Serie A strikers that have done well in other leagues. And the the one thing that, that Vlaovic gives you is, like Chris was saying, it's that kind of, rather than say, rather than say unicorn, I'd say hybrid. Um just because unicorns don't exist, and, and I worry that we would if Arsenal. If there was ever a club that would try and sign something that doesn't exist, it's Arsenal. So, um, <laughs> but don't so, we need so, someone like him to be on the end of the constant Tomiyasu tyranny, Tavares well, no, cause, crosses? Because again, the most Arsenal thing ever would be we, we'd go for a big, you know, uh, physical mo- mobile striker, and then we'd start playing it on the deck. Like you, you just see it coming, can't you? But the, the trouble with Vlaovic is that he's now attracting the interest of, you know, the, the big names in, in Europe. And, and unfortunately, let's just be realistic. We've got a massive appeal in terms of our location, in terms of our history. Um, but we're sounding a little bit like, you know, Man United here, aren't we? Like there's, there's, there's only so much. If we don't get back into Europe this year, and in fact, I, actually, I would push the boat further. I would say if we don't get in, back into the Champions League, this year, I don't think many teams are going to want to come in because there's plenty of big teams. Barcelona are heading for the Europa League tonight. Barcelona, like you know, I mean, there's there's bigger clubs that are in the same position that we're in. AC Milan is another one, you know, that are just as big in names as us that are in the second tier competition. That other clubs will look at and go, okay, so I've got a choice. I can go to Arsenal, who've been out of Europe for two seasons now. And probably will just about limp out of the group stage, maybe, and that will be about it. Or I can go to a transitioning Barcelona, or you know, a rebuilt Man United under Rangnick, or uh, an AC Milan that's on the up. Or you know, that's that's who we're competing with at the moment. And okay, Barcelona is skin, fine. But there are other clubs that I think Blaovic would probably look at now and go, actually, I'll, I'll, I'd rather take my chances at, at a club that's middle tier and that's not even factoring in man city you know if they suddenly decide they actually fancy a striker you know they might go and get the fraud from down the road well if they go and get him then they need a striker and unfortunately <laughs> they're probably gonna if they sell kane they've got a lot more money than we have haven't they you know so we well, seem to have some money down the back of the sofa so matt that's not an issue but actually signing a player would, would dominic cabot they even want to play for arsenal i don't know yeah, of course he would. Sheffield lad, isn't he? Yeah. Was at Sheffield with Ramsdale for a while. Yeah, true. I mean, he probably would, but I'm just yeah. saying, you know, I, do you want to go? And his injury record at the moment is a little bit, it's a little bit worrying, isn't it? You know, I think we, whichever player, whatever striker we get, is gonna have something on their mm-hmm. record that we're gonna go doesn't do this because we're at that level, aren't we? In terms of who we're gonna sign, like you say, a bigger team, a bigger fish right now comes along 
and we're blowing out the water. Anybody who, you know, Chelsea right now have got, what, three strikers who can't score? Um, <laughs> don't, need, don't get me started on, 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 on that certain striker Chelsea have got. We yeah, on the, um, the one that got tainted by Serie A and has come back and now yeah. suddenly doesn't know how to score goals that's, anymore. That's the one. That one yeah. or the... Um, no, no, that one. Ger- that's yeah, the, the one. German roadrunner who uh, yeah, not, not I did him. see scored after two minutes uh, earlier and then they drew three all. Against but... the giants of Dynamo Kiev. Oh, no, Zenit St. Petersburg. Zenit. Uh, um, Rich has just made that very same point, Josh, in the chat about Vlaovic. He could be Juve bound. So, again, it would be the most Arsenal thing ever. Juve go, okay, we need to ship out Morata. So he can go to Arsenal and we'll take that pitch. Yeah, Maratta enjoyed his time in London, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we'll it's just out. the most Arsenal signing ever, isn't it? Yeah. Like, there is the one I'm boxes. waiting. The one I'm waiting for is um, I'm hoping Jose Mourinho is driving Roma into the uh, into the grounds because they spent a hell of a lot of money over the summer and there's a striker there that we were pursuing, but we knew full well Chelsea wouldn't sign us any striker that has two working legs. Or oh, any player. Oh, no, wait. No, not that one. No. Um, yeah, Tammy Abraham is another striker that I think a lot of us had convinced ourselves would be that kind of perfect player for us um, or could at least grow. He's a bit well, wasn't he? I, I, it could have gone yeah. either way, couldn't it? He's like, one of those. And that's, again, that's where we're at right now. You could say the same about Ramsdale. He was either going to be a £20 million flop or a, a shrewd signing. Um, we're, we're seeing it with Thomas Partey right now. Um, there looks like there's something. A four. Yeah, but that, but that, that interview talking about PR. Who sanctioned mm. that him to say that? Mm. I mean, it, I love. The I mean, honesty. it's about it's about fucking right though. Yeah, isn't it? He, he's spot on. I love the honesty, but you know, other clubs must be thinking that's fucking hilarious. Like that's a that's a Spurs thing to do. Like give an interview and say, yeah, basically, Jack, I've been shit. Like, mm. I mean, it's like you know, a small club mentality. Like, and and there is a bit of a theme here um let me ask you this one chris why not how many players have come to arsenal in the last you know stretch it back to the unai emery era if you want how many players have we signed um that are in the club or have been in the club have improved forget the academy because they were arsenal already how many players have we actually gone out and signed and they've improved under under arsenal regime or under, under the arsenal style um that's quite tough, isn't it? I can't think Aaron, of many. I mean, Aaron Ramsdale, but we've signed him and we didn't really know fully what we were getting. No. And I he mean, was always stretch. He was always, to be fair to Ramsdale, he always looked the part, didn't he? It's just there was a few errors and he played for some terrible sides. It was more the money we paid. That, that I think, well, I certainly had an issue with. Yeah. And and if you said 24 million, even now I'd be like, how much? That's a lot of money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But <clears throat> I can't think Gabriel. of many players. Gabriel, Gabriel yeah. has improved. Yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. I'm, re- I'm really, I'm really when struggling. When he's improved, but not while he's here. Saliva, not while he's here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but to, be, to be fair, Chris, when does he improve, really, though? <laughs> Gab- Gabriel has improved, yeah. but I would argue more that he's just matured. Well, he's gone he from being good. an then, player to being a, think, a, a number one. Yeah. But it's going to be difficult for us to name a player 
that's improved under Arteta that we can't also then say attribute that, oh, he might have just gone that good anyway. Because if we're going to suddenly say, oh, Gabriel, he was good, but oh, actually, it's not Arteta's re- reason he's good. Yeah, I think there's how- a lot to be said about Bukayo Saka. Yeah, but Saka's he's one got of our, so much one of our own academy graduates. Like I, I think I think players like that, he's they had, will play for the two, badge regardless. He's had two years under the stewardship of Arteta. He's not got worse. He's got no, better. No, but he's played. He's played every week. Yeah, Smith Rowe has got better. Yeah, but again, same example. They're, they're I mean, sort of Pepe got worse and he was playing. I think Kieran Tierney has got worse on the. I, I'm uh, not sure Arteta. I agree on the Pepe. Did he really? Did he really have? He had that brief spell last season where he was basically our best player, and that's the only run of time he's ever had consistently. And what did he get as a reward for that? Dropped for William. Nah, nah no. he, well, actually, mm. he played a game. Say, yeah, he played at a game every week. You can, uh, you, last but you can trace his confidence back to that moment, can't you? I that mean, William. certainly an issue with his mentality that, you know, oh, six no, games, he's no. playing well. I can't have that, mate. I can't have that. There's something not right with him. It's, it's so, just, so just you're, no fighting him. You're, you go to work tomorrow, Josh, right? Yeah. And your boss comes in and he goes, Josh, you're doing a fantastic job, mate. You, you, honestly, you're smashing it. This target's great, brilliant. This target's fantastic. Um, this is Danny. Uh, he's going to be doing your job this week. Um, anyway, I'll see you at lunch. Cheers. I mean, How great. would you feel? How oh, would great. you feel? If I'm getting paid the same, I don't give a flying fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I got a week off where someone's but doing you, my work for me. But you take doing my work. And... When you come back, there'll be two weeks worth of work to do. And can we also just focus on Loki's comment? Because he's absolutely spot on. Unai Emery gave Saka the opportunity. Well, that actually, sounds like, just that sounds that, like Jose. I was going to say, go on, Chris. Otherwise, I'm going to bring out Jose Mourinho's say, list of 49 players. I was going to say, with Josh talking about Pepe, um, Emery also sacked off Pepe. Mm. So it's not just an Arteta thing. And um, he didn't, Pepe didn't play. I know, I know Jungberg only had about three, four games. Pepe didn't play every single one of those. I think mm. he missed a couple of those games. So that's three separate managers. So I, I don't know this. We don't know this because we don't have any insight. Not until the Amazon documentary comes out next year, of <laughs> course. But we don't have any insight on what's happening inside the club. But when you've got three separate it, like coaches that have done that, you can't fully just say, no, no, it can't be an attitude thing. You can't say it definitely is an attitude thing, but equally you can't say it definitely isn't an attitude thing. That's mm. the problem. But it, but again, it comes back to those non-negotiables, doesn't it? You know, if if that if if there is an issue with Pepe, and I, I say I'm not his agent, I don't know, but the, 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 sure? man, the man, yeah, I promise, <laughs> I'd be, I'd, I would be a lot better house than this. Trust me, if I was, but. <laughs> This is this is the same you know the same manager who's who's leaving him out. It's the same manager that's building his club around the guy who, you know, threw his shirt and kept his armband on the pitch and told us all to fuck off. So again, where's your non-negotiables? Well, but yeah, but Granite's got a great attitude. Fuck off, has he? Guys are fucking I mean, disgraced. He didn't, he he didn't, didn't tell the fans to, to fuck off under Arteta's stewardship. No, but you get because he point. wouldn't have come back. You know, under Arteta, he should have been, he should have been allowed to. Come he'd have been back. run the back. He would have been shot in the back of the head at the back, he underneath been. at the no, Emirates. But that was under Unai Emery. Emery was the one that brought Xhaka back in. What we have seen is Xhaka hasn't been given the captain's armband back straight away, and we're oh, still left with a petulant man-child <laughs> as captain. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, well, that, that, he should never have had the armband in the first place. I think we all agree on that. But it, but it does it does come back to those non-negotiables. Do you know what would be really fascinating is if, you know, if one of our starlets came out 
and and said something would he be would he be benched you know would he would he bench Saka or Smith I don't think he would because he relies on those players far too much and and just on the Thomas Partey thing before I forget um we signed Thomas Partey when he was at the peak of his powers um he hadn't had an injury his whole career mm. he comes to Arsenal and he he looks like I mean I I don't know what he looks like. He he just looks like the shell of his former self. His presence is gone. He doesn't look like the. He doesn't just doesn't look anywhere near the player we got from Atletico Madrid. And there were teams that were lining up to try and sign him, and I'd we got the him in about, the door. I'd say the same about Saul that I'm seeing at Chelsea. What's happened yeah, to that fair. guy? That's but, there's something about being outside of that Simeone side that appears. I think with Saul, it's more a league thing. I think it's more a league thing. Saul is very very fitted for La Liga, but. Partey was Partey was up there with some of the most informed and, and wanted, desired central midfielders in Europe, and we got him, and he's gone backwards. And I, I can't help but think that some of it is to do with the system we play and how we deploy him. And and the what I, the question I'd ask you is if if you put Thomas Partey in a midfield with a with a Kante um, with a trying to think even even and i never thought i'd ever say this a declan rice someone like that you know and a, a calvin phillips an athletic dynamic uh proper out and out defensive midfielder but gives you a bit more you know than just pinging the ball to the left wing and clattering people for yellow cards every week i think you see a different party but instead the the apologist will tell you that Xhaka is key to party's form utter ball. or is or is that I would say with yeah Thomas Partey, is it the issue that he wasn't ever the main man in those midfields? Are you thinking at Atletico Madrid? Koke? Mm. As you mentioned, we've already mentioned Saul. In terms of there is always somebody in that midfield that's going to be battling with you. So it's going to make your life a little bit easier. And as we've just mentioned, that's currently in some games he is carrying his partner or trying to carry his partner whilst trying to get himself back into form. And that's probably maybe. why we've seen a decline. Yeah. Or it's the fact that he's come in. He is the big name signing. You know, I still haven't put fifty million pounds or even a signing of that kind of caliber since Granite Xhaka in mm. terms of monetary spend on a central midfielder. We haven't done it in years. Uh, you know, even we're talking about Santi Cazorla being in our midfield. We signed him as a winger. We haven't put oh. that kind of investment in our midfield Don't for mentioned Santiago. At least a decade. And, OG. Oh, yeah. you're breathing, Josh. Carry on. I thought you said no, that's all right. And I think, yeah, with, those, with what he's saying, with Sambi being our best central midfielder this season, I'd completely agree. And he's walked through like, the streets from Adelaide. The point I wanted I feel to like we should all sort of stand up and sing the Canadian national anthem when <laughs> Jeff comes in. I feel like that's something we should now start doing. <laughs> the only one who gets the flag shredder was in there earlier. But I was looking at this with um, Lekonga earlier. I've been really impressed with the way every, every aspect of his game is brilliant. I mean, he was the captain of Anderlecht and he's made his Belgium debut since he signed for us. We had a run of 10 games in a row without defeat, scoring goals, keeping clean sheets. He takes him off against Liverpool when we're 1-0 down. We end up losing 4-0. Plays the next game, we win, I think it was 2-0. And then doesn't play him against Man United, lose 3-2. Doesn't play him against Everton, lose 2-1. He is a magnificent player and he will run all day long. And I've got no idea why he's dropped him. And it's, I think it's, it's like Maitland Niles is we know his level at the moment. There's a reason why Maitland has done an Instagram. No, there's a reason why Maitland Niles plays well against teams like Watford. It's because that's his level, his lower league sides. Uh, the reason 
you know, if Sambi had stayed on the pitch against uh, Liverpool for any longer, it still would have been the same result. And I think that's why he didn't play Man United is because he's not at that level yet. And that's the game that you'd rather burn Xhaka in, I'd say, than play Sambi, who's then going to go, well, fucking hell, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to play in the Premier League because every time I step out on the field against the top sides, I'm just a completely cut adrift. I imagine when we play Chelsea in our next fixtures, Sambi won't play that either. But mm. he'll be putting Everton was the game for him, really, because that's the kind of play. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. And even if Everton isn't the, the game, even if he wants to bring Xhaka in, you do exactly the same as what you, your plan is, which is after 60 mm. minutes, he's going to be knackered. So let's give Sambi mm. that final 30 minutes. And I tell you what, Sambi's not going to get outrun run by those midfielders like Xhaka was no. in that final that final sort of 30 minutes of the game. But also, Sambi is a more direct, progressive mm. forward passer. Like, he picks the ball up. You see, you've, I've seen it a few times already. Like, you see him, like, roll the ball. It's like So, it will just shield the ball, let it roll across his body, and then a forward pass. He's always looking for that forward pass. Xhaka looks for forward passes occasionally, but we know where it's going. And that's the problem. Mm. Um, Xhaka's a... We all know one of his, one of his strengths is he, he is a good... Um, recycling and turn that like possession wise, he's half decent at getting the ball, releasing the ball, finding his man, but it's not penetrative. Like, I can't remember lots and lots of penetrating balls that Xhaka does. Sambi does do that, and Thomas Party does that. So, I'd really like to see those two more than what we've seen. There's lots of people that I've seen that have said, Oh, you know, they're, they're too similar a player. Um, no, it doesn't quite work. Um, Party wasn't great against Newcastle, but Sambi was great. Well, let them find their form. They're still they're still only finding out about each other as players. Xhaka and Party have played together a lot. What happens if Sambi and Party play together for twenty games? Do we suddenly start to see the building of a partnership there? We don't know, and it's not being given a chance yet. Yeah, and I don't mind when you we're talking about, as you said, with Newcastle, that Sambi was great and Partey wasn't that great. Because you, at least you know what you're getting out of Partey or what, you know Partey's out of form. This isn't because we've got a bad player and that is his ceiling as he can't do it against Newcastle. We expect Partey to have a good game against basically any side of the league. And, you know, as he said, and he's come out, he's not at that level right now. Uh, you know, the number five is his star rating out of 10 for most games. It's uh, not uh, that uh, that quality at all. So you know, we're not going to have a yeah. choice soon because Partey goes off to Africa in a couple of nations. You know, I mean, it, yeah. and, so and does doesn't, Elneny. And doesn't it speak volumes? To, should it not speak sort of like worrying volumes to us all that we're all calling for? Well, no, I say we're all. Some of us are calling for Ainsley Maitland-Niles, um, who at pre-season was a right back on his way to Everton, and we're all desperate for him to be in our, our starting midfield right now. There's people out there that are actively desperate to see Jack Wilshere get a short-term deal. Don't get me wrong, you know, I love Jack. And, yeah, part of my heart would smile a little bit to see him come home because he should never have gone. But the man hasn't played at the top level for, what, four years? You know, like, and this is the level we're at now. Instead of going out and saying, OK, we need, um, you know, we need a, a robust central midfielder that's, that's going to do a job to the end of the season, you know, a, a King, Kim Kalstrom sort of type of signing, maybe with his back intact. But, you know, you get my drift. Like, And yet, as Chris said, Sambi comes in, does a great job. 
I, I think he's um I think he's a rough diamond. I think there's a lot of rough edges that need to be ironed out. But do you remember when Colo Toure broke into our midfield, having been a centre back his whole career? Um, he didn't turn out too bad, did he? And why? Because he was given a chance and he was played and you know, he was given an opportunity to thrive. Like, why not play he want he clearly this manager clearly wants to play young players. So why not give Sambi his legs? And we're we're playing one game a week at the moment. Okay, two over Christmas, but we've got no European football. You can't tell me these young players need a rest. Put them in. And if their if their form doesn't, you know, their form dips, take them out the squad. You know, Ben White's form the last few weeks. Sorry, Josh, but it's been fucking abysmal. Still straight in the team every week. Why? Because mm-hmm. he's worth 50 million quid and he's not had to signing. I mean, you know, and I, I'm not slating Ben White. I like the guy. He's never a 50 million pound centre-half ever. Just He just isn't. He isn't. I'm sorry. But he's he's good. You know, he's competent and he'll get better. But he his form has been awful the past few weeks, I think. Positionally... His diving in, his decision making, all over the shop. Gabriel, again, we, don't, we don't have we don't have a big Bill Saliba to uh, come in. Well, don't 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 just don't. I can't. It Josh, have you got much. an answer for for OG? Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Uh, do I think Arteta was being overly clever, a la Pep, by playing a false five? Uh, I mean, there were certainly fewer Jeff than Mace. five players that turned up uh, <laughs> against uh, Everton. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Arteta was kind of thinking. I think, actually, it wasn't what Arteta was thinking. It's what Rafa did. You know, it's Mm. not necessarily that a manager made a mistake. Rafa Benitez is a fucking good manager. At his level, yeah. He's boring, but he's got more Champions Leagues than uh, a lot of us. (laughs) He's very tactically... He's very Very tactically clever. And I was saying, I've watched... And there's a manager that... Uh, I would say the uninformed people of uh, the Arsenal fan base would love Graham Potter to be in the dugout. Well, he struggled more against Rafa Benitez in that Everton side. The, you know, the, when they were talking about the stats of when Everton last won a game, that was Brighton away. Uh, and Rafa loves playing against those kind of sides, those kind of ticker attackery, because he's like, right, I know how to fucking deal with this. Mm. Bring in the Spanish buses. Before yeah. Jose Mourinho even made parking the bus fashionable, Rafa Benitez was doing it with counter-attacking style and having a forward that would you know, kind of get at defenders. Uh, Richarlson having, what, three? Basically scored three goals against us if VAR wasn't there because we know our decisions go against us. Um, I think there's the glass half full or glass half empty way of looking at uh, the offside decisions. Is it because Arsenal were great defensively or is it because we got lucky that Richarlison oh, uh, uh, stepped short over the line? Well, one was onside, wasn't it? They drew the line in the wrong place, turns out. If you go back and look at it again, yeah. they actually drew the line slightly behind his boot. So he was actually onside. I think it's the second one. <laughs> I think the problem, oh, for the problem with the game, so the game on Monday, what I, from what I saw with my untrained eyes, is Rafa Benitez decided to push and press a high line and a high intensity um, against us. And what Arsenal needed to do is do what we normally do, which is playing the ball out from the back. I'm absolutely fine with that, as long as you do actually break the press. And as soon as you break the press, then 
by getting the ball out wide, there was a couple of instances. I've seen a few sort of short passages of play that people have put on Twitter where we break the press and we get the ball into a good position, but then there's no runners in behind because you've got Lacazette who's basically sitting there in defensive midfield waddling around. You've got Martinelli that's, if the ball's out on the right side, he's too far isolated on the left. And you've got Saka who likes to tuck in field. So what ended up happening was we kept breaking the press and then stopping and going backwards. And then it all grinds to a halt and it ends up being, you know, the the standing sort of walking football where you're just, you know, sideways passing. And by then, Everton out of possession can then sit back and say, all right, well, we tuck into our structure and that's it. And then at certain points, we just press high. And, and so the, winning goal, break the, press. the winning goal was predictable, wasn't it? Because he, he did that minutes early, didn't he? And And you can trace it all the way back once again, you know, Shaka got booked early on because that's what because Shaka got a Shaka. Um, he doesn't get that needless booking, and it was a needless booking in a needless area of the pitch that he got that booking from. He doesn't have that booking, he just takes out Tamari Gray as soon as he starts breaking forward. And I think there was that still that that's why he should have been subbed. Yeah, but I think there was a still that Oswald put up, wasn't there, of like 90, you know, nine or 93rd, 94th minute, and we got six players in front of the ball. I mean, like, use your brain, and you've got. Again, Ben White charging upfield, he gets absolutely rinsed for that goal. And yes, yeah, it's a great hit, it's a quality strike, but he shouldn't have ever been in that position to have, have got into that. You know, he should have been fouled, he should have been stopped at source. But but Jacker couldn't do it, and White doesn't get anywhere near him. And before you know it, it's in the net. So, you know, and, and, and let's be honest, if somebody said to you before the game on Monday night, 1 1 at Everton, I don't know about you guys, I would have been no. Everton are dog shit. We should be beating them. Three, four, five, one. Not taking a one-one. Like Watford did. And Watford and shit. And what have we done? We've lost to them. And Watford went behind in that game, didn't they? If I'm not mistaken. No, what Watford, the only thing Watford yeah. have got that's any good is their attack. And that's only yeah. every now and then. So yeah. Arteta should have turned out and gone, so that's all right, you beat them. Just yeah. constant attack. Yeah. We're the same at Man United. They can't defend for shit. So what do we do? Score and then sit behind the ball for eight minutes. Well, it's back-to-back games. You've got one nil up and lost it. Yeah, and that- Back-to-back games, you've been shafted on VAR as well. I'm just going to drop that on there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably been yeah. abused. But we can't. But we can't hold our, you know, and that, and that yeah, it's a red card. Like whatever, whatever, whatever school of thought you come from, and you know, when you've got two professionals in the studio saying he meant that, and we've all been in that situation, haven't we? Where we've known we've left a bit on somebody. But all I would say again is, does that change the performance? No, like we, you know, should he use that as a? If anything, use that as a as an injustice. And so it doesn't change. Gonna... It doesn't change the performance, but it does change the actual in-game narrative. Because if Everton are down to ten men, they can't press us as they did, and then therefore we will retain the ball a lot more. And also, we're going to be able to push an extra because we've got an extra man. We can put more pressure on them. You probably would have seen us. I mean, in Premier League football, when you get the half decent sides. That if particularly if there's a good hour left to play, I don't know what the stats are, but it wouldn't surprise me if sort of eight out of ten matches or nine out of ten matches, the team that goes down to ten men in the first half ends up losing the game because this is elite sport and fine margins make a massive difference. So I think that would have completely have shifted the the actual narrative of the game. That doesn't change the fact that even after that. We still should be battering Everton. But mm-hmm. I do think it has a massive impact. And this is now, not, I don't want to go all conspiracy theories, but this is now happening with an alarming regularity. You know, mm-hmm. decisions like the Tommy Asu sh- uh, tug by Harry, Harry Maguire. James mm-hmm. MacArthur being able to essentially larrup Bukayo Saka 
whilst in mid-air mid against yeah. Southampton, uh, sorry, against Crystal Palace, again, completely changes that game narrative because mm. they don't press as many bodies forward. And it is starting to really wind me up. And I mm. wish I'd watched... Do you know what I wish? I had more time to watch in full more Premier League matches of other teams because I'd like to actually have a more impartial view and see if this is just... We seem to be getting the wrong end of the stick quite more often than not. I'm not talking about there being a conspiracy. There's not any bungs. This is, you know, this isn't fantasy land. But something is happening, and we don't seem to be getting. There's a lot of decisions that just make me go. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. some fishy stuff going on. We've got to go for Danny. Real Giannis. Give us ten dollar dues. Performances, results are annoying, but what really ruins me is his decision-making. Nketiah, Pepe, Xhaka, playing when he is exhausted, isn't flexible enough to cover, gotten the best out of us, and never gotten the best out of our strikers. Cheers, uh, Giannis, very kind of you. And throw in Tierney for Tavares as well. Completely pointless, needless uh, substitution. Just didn't need to. Just didn't need to be done, did it? I mean, if you're unless, defending the game, Tierney's a better defender than than Tavares is. We weren't at the time. An injury. No. It, no, it was, the, it was it was the sixty minute, sixty-ish minutes, wasn't it? Tierney it's comes the first off. change, wasn't it? it was the first first yeah. change you made. Sixty-sixty-ish minute. It was the one that it's. It's the one that Xhaka should have come off at the same time as well because it was players that haven't played in four, four games. Take them off because they've done 60 minutes in their legs. Great. Bring two fresh bodies on. Oh, Xhaka should have just come off. I, I yeah. would have let... Tierney was fine. He was fine. He was still had all his energy, whereas Xhaka... Oh, you I could... don't know about Tierney. No. Watch you don't like Tierney. The... Yeah, but watch yeah. back one of the goals. He's off, yeah, he's off gallivanting. Yeah, but he's a left-back. You, you just... Yeah, you so just what's he doing to... Andre Santosing or Kolasinic? If there's Kolasinic up there... So the solution to your attacking left-back is you bring off your yes. attacking left-back and you bring on an even more attacking left-back. No. Yeah, who can get back? Because he's better just, defensively. You, you, just, you just you just do your job as a coach, and you have a little word, and you say, "Look, Kieran, we're hanging on to this lead. Just yeah. sit back." Or maybe the other thing would be, um, yeah, Granite Jacker covers for him, but you know, I've just asked Granite Jacker to cover us defensively. But I think the other thing, we just going continue with uh, Chris's point about going down to ten men. The thing we couldn't deal with against Everton was Decore. When Rafford decided, right, Decore, I'm letting you off the leash. Because you can get at this Arsenal side because they are just, you're just going to bounce off them. He did it for Watford regularly. Yeah, and he does it for he, he did it. That was why Decore was in everybody's fantasy football teams at the beginning of the season, because Rafa just says to him, "Right, you can go on an adventure now," and he just ruins teams. He ruined Brighton exactly the same thing. Uh, just you unleash him, he will break through teams, and he is closer to the Thomas Partey that we thought we were getting than Thomas Partey is right now. That's the player we expected to turn up. Is a player that could do that to other teams. And instead, we saw Partey kind of whimpering in the corner, Granite Xhaka getting booked unnecessarily or not even closing him down, which is where the um, his unnecessary yellow card can come a lot sooner if he just takes Decore out. But as soon as he lets Decore go past him, Corey now knows for the rest of the game, all right, this guy's never going to close me down. He's just, going to, he's just going to sit back and let me pick my pass rather than close me down. He's just going to try and shuttle me and get the interception rather, as Chris said, with our tackling. You know, I don't mind, uh, I think, is it Maldini that said that if you make a tackle, you've made a mistake? 
because mm. it's about positional sense. You know, Pep said he didn't teach tackling because if your defenders are in the right place and the loose ball comes, that you're in the right place. You don't need to make a tackle. Making a tackle is either through desperation or actually there is some some requirement you actually need to do it. But I don't know. encourage Mikel to go down the Pep route even further, Christ. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Decore was, I think he was absolutely superb and was the main reason why we'd lost that game again, was we just couldn't cope with him and either the players on the field and the manager didn't spot it or the manager didn't know how to cope with it. Uh, which, as I say, there's been other managers far more illustrious or more experienced than Arteta that got done over by Decore in that Everton side right now. All right, we need to move this and- on a little bit. Just very quickly this? speaking, Go just on. very quickly speaking of strikers, just another, just yet another nod to uh, Ligue 1's finest, finest Canadian, uh, Jonathan David, who's yet again got another goal tonight in the Champions League for Lille, who are about to qualify. So uh, yeah, Sebastian Ele has got ten goals in the Champions League this season. Do you want him yeah, back? Yeah, but well, well I, I actually create goals and they play. Javinho is about to win the, the Turkish so. title with Trabzonspor. Do you want him back? He's, uh, he's injured, isn't he? Didn't he do his knee? Doesn't matter. Yeah, I think he's out for a year. We just need, well, I think the gist of all this last hour and, hour and 40 minutes is we need more Canadians at Arsenal. We start off mm. with a bloke um, at uh, Bayern. Alphonse Davies. Not yeah. going to happen. But yeah, that's Jeff's favourite player. Then we get Paul Pesci-Scalido about a retirement. <laughs> just to make up the numbers. <laughs> and anyway, right. I did this earlier. Something I, I did a little... Uh, well, first of all, this. Whoever did this, there's no at on this. I don't know who did this, but someone very clever said, this is Arsenal's seven league wins this season. Norwich, 20th. Burnley, 18th. Watford, 17th. Newcastle, 19th. Spurs and Villa, both sat their manager. And Leicester, 11th. For me, that was one of my favourite games of the season. Um, Other Chris, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, They are... Yeah, I mean, when you look at that, it's easy to just pick holes... But Tottenham are still a decent side, and we we bullied them. Aston Villa, all right, they sacked their manager, but they were still a decent side, and we bullied them. Going away to Leicester is not that's no no uh, no shame in that. Leicester uh, beat Man United at home uh, quite comfortably. I seem to recall. I think it was four two. So I'm I'm never I never I'm not one of these that looks at the result and the team and says oh it was only. I don't like caveats. It's I don't care. If we beat every single team except Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea um, and get smashed against those teams 10-0, I wouldn't care if we won every single other game. You wouldn't find me putting caveats in because we'd be finishing fourth and we'd have no problems with that. So I haven't got a problem, I haven't got a problem with, with bullying those teams. you just got to make sure you do it. And that was the problem. And that's the reason why I'm feeling quite low after the Everton game more than the Man United game, because Everton is the sort of performance where that's a team we should bully, come back home, say, all right, we played crap, but Odegaard got the goal and then we shut up shop and we ended up uh, winning the game. So happy days. Hmm. Um, Josh, any wise words on that? Do you want me to bring it? If anyone wants to bring it back up, just, just give me the nod. No, I think in terms of, yeah, they're all games we should have won and we did. Um, I don't, again, there's a lot of caveats we can try and pull into it. 
I think if we'd beaten Watford 8-0 or 1-0, it makes no difference in the group of the results and we'd still be spitting feathers. because be we just lost to difference. Yeah, but we'd still have lost to Liverpool, we still would have lost to Everton and we still would have lost to Man United. Do you really think that wouldn't it's give us some more confidence in, in oh, we scoring give goals? Well, we saw after after yeah. Aubameyang um, got the hat-trick against the West Brom under-7s, a couple of games after that, he was he was almost looking like a decent player for a while. Two games and that was it, though. That's, mm. I think, this kind of thing that, yeah, we're, right now we are in a kind of performances secondary basis. We need points on the boards. Uh, I'd, I'm happy to see positive results. And then when the negative results will come, yeah, sure, we can then start going over and saying, oh, the underlying numbers here said that actually all of our wins are basically losses anyway. Um, and we can get very <laughs> depressed about it. Basically, losses. I mean, that's some of the stuff that's we've seen. That's a headline I'd it? love to see. I, yeah, that's what Chris the, would write. <laughs> the XG lovers will be all over that. It was like all the. It's basically the opposite of what happened to Brighton last season. It was uh, all of Brighton's losses were actually wins because they won on XG. Same with us, but the opposite. Pirate, you got anything to say on that list? The, no, the, well, just, they were only beating the teams that are going down. No, it doesn't worry me. It's where we are. It is again. It just comes back to what I said at the start of the show. I'm sick of these people saying, "Oh, well, Liverpool. We don't expect anything from them. Well, we don't expect anything from Man United. You know, we don't expect an oh, fuck off." Like, should expect, should expect. Uh, you know, at the very least, some sort of uh, competitive, uh, competitive nature against the bigger sides. And the facts are we've been absolutely smashed by two of them, three of them, sorry, now. Um, we've lost to the worst United side in 10 years. We, you know, yeah, we beat Leicester, who exactly as that run suggests. I mean, I don't know what has happened to Brendan Rodgers and his teeth. Um, maybe his name is in the envelope this year. I don't know. But they've gone off a cliff. Um, and and even then, you go back and watch that game. It, you know, we got a couple of goals, but we weren't great, really. We hung on, didn't we? So, yeah, it's worrying. But as we said earlier on, I wouldn't be surprised if we beat West Ham and, and Southampton then lost the Leeds. I mean, it's just... There are many teams in the Premier League right now that are dominating for 90 minutes. That's the other thing I would say right now. Um, so, us only dominating a game for 20 minutes and getting it won? Mm. There's plenty of teams doing that at the moment. Uh, are, outside of are. probably Liverpool, City have seemed to be doing most of the league in second gear rather mm-hmm. than actually performing at a high level. And we've just seen Chelsea have just ruined all of their midfielders at the same time. So now we're just going to bear the fruits of uh, poor man management or we squad are, rotation. For a reason, aren't we? You know, we're a mid-table yeah. side. I, I don't. I know a few people have said, "Oh, you know, they can see us finishing fifth or, you know, squeaking top four. I, I don't. I think we're. I think we're destined for eighth or ninth again if this trajectory stays the way it is. Christmas period is always crucial as well because, um, you know, we have played all season where we've, we've been playing once a week. Now we're going to play. What is it like five games in twenty days or something stupid? Um, you know, it's going to be. We we need to we need to get some some decent wins. Is that is that Leeds game the cup game by the way? Over the no, Sunday. Oh, okay, so yeah, oh, so, I mean, that's in the, in the cup. No, I meant the yeah the Mickey Mouse Cup. Carabao, it's called. Yeah, the one that's going to be our Champions League if we win it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's yeah the next the next um, uh, league fixtures. Just looking at them now. Uh, Southampton at home on Saturday. Uh, West, West Ham, Ham on the 15th, Wednesday, yeah. Leeds away on the 18th, 
Leeds with half a squad right now, by the way, then the Sunderland game, and then away at Norwich. Realistically, um, you know, you, you should be looking at, at 12 points from those games. You should be, well, as a we should as have gone an Arsenal fan. Beat them. Yeah, well, but West Ham will be will give us a good test. Leeds under the lights, is it? I think it's under the lights, isn't it? But I mean, Le- Leeds yeah, is... Evening. Leads, you just never know what you're going to get, do you? And they'll they'll raise their game for a, a, an opponent like us, and they'll get in our in our heads like they did last time. Uh, and they need points, by the way. They're fighting Norwich or a different side under under um, Villa man whose name I've forgotten. Um, Gerard. Uh, that's that's Villa, isn't it? Who's who's the ex Villa manager? That's down there. Dean Smith. Uh, Dean Smith. Thank you. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying Norwich is suddenly, you know, Champions League winners, but I'm just saying they will be a lot better than, than what we would have faced previously. Um, and yeah, I mean, Moyes, the, the Sunderland game in the, in oh yeah, of course, sorry, Sunderland's in the League Cup, isn't it? Not the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, does that, does that competition matter? I mean, I don't know. Does it like, does it just pay for the cracks if we, I mean, we're, no, not if I get to go to Wembley, it doesn't. Well, no, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> there is that. Not if I, mean, I get a nice big day out. It, it, the way we're going, it'd be another empty stadium. Cup if you've got your COVID passport, Chris, yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, if it's, you know, I mean, if, if of course, it's a trophy to be won, it's important, and we've got the, the plum draw, but if we get through that, we are probably, well, you know we're drawing Liverpool, but you, you just know that's happening. <laughs> so, um, it's, I don't know, do, how far do we go in that? In that it'd be fine if it's, if it's Liverpool... Uh... Yeah, during the African Cup of Nations, half their squad's gone. Yeah, true. They'll they'll, they'll have enough. I'm sure Divock or Rigi will turn in a masterclass or something. And but yeah, I don't know. I, I, right. Next thing to do, I'll give you people a little a little tease of a couple of things I've been working on. Arteta v Moyes. That's all you're going to see of that. I'll use that in another show. Goal stats. Oh, another good one. And uh, where is the one we are going to do? Oh, here's another one that we might do. Where where are we in that table? Give yourself, Josh. Save that for another show. But now we're going to go and do listeners' questions, Josh. So go to start, and as you ask the questions, unstar them, but keep the two donation ones there. So I want to highlight those, highlight those at the end and say thanks again. And we've got to do it in under 11 minutes. Well, don't, don't ask Chris any questions then. Exactly. <laughs> which, which one? <laughs> Either. Uh, <laughs> it, was speed, it will speed it right up. No, I don't know the answer. Slow it down. So that's the end of okay. the show. <laughs> uh, right, I will go for this first question from Twitch from Carnage sixteen eighteen. I think that's. Uh, I don't think Arsenal were founded then, but certainly been Carnage ever since. Uh, I'm going to go for other Chris with this question. Uh, do you think Arteta is doing that Arteta special with Enketia, where he plays a player for a little while to get them to sign a contract? Once convinced and signed, he'll be dropped. <laughs> Absolutely not. And that, and the reason why I say that is because I think um, Enketia and um, Balogun share the same agent. And I think the, the, the honey, the, the, the whispers of uh, honey have been sort of dropped into Balogun's agent's ear, who's also Enketia's agent. And so he knows that that's the guy that we're, we're aiming for. I think... What's happening here is he's trying to keep him on the periphery of the team, maybe keep him motivated. I think it's the wrong decision. As I already said earlier, I'd do 23 in for the rest of the season, personally. Um, but I think Balogun will get his loan and then hit with the view that next season, mate, you're taking Nketiah's role and hopefully we're in Europe and you get more minutes next season as almost the what Nketiah was doing last season. Yeah. When you do the Josh, highlight them as well, we are. 
Oh, it's all new. We've all just, they've just added this feature, so we're still working yeah. it out. Um, right. I will go for this question from Julian Salmondo to uh, Pirate Chris. Uh, question. If Arteta was to get sacked, who realistically can we get? Especially if we're... I'm going to say if we're not in Europe, because assuming we're sacking Arteta after a run of three games. Um, I've just answered this one short and sweet, really, Julian. Um, nothing extra question, but it doesn't matter um, for a couple of reasons. One, as long as the Cronkies are in charge, this manager's got a job for life. I just, I don't see them. They're too, they're too far wedded to the idea of Arteta Ball, whatever the hell that is. Um, and you, it, it doesn't matter if we said, oh, this manager, that manager, blah, blah, blah. It, do, it doesn't matter. Because ultimately, until he's not at the club, there's there's no point in speculating. And I know that's not the question you've asked, but there just isn't. There isn't any point. There are plenty of managers, high high caliber, high high class that we could get if the time came. However, they would not be if we were to you know move a manager on mid season. That we cannot be doing that. We cannot be doing that. If it, if we get to the end of the season and we finish outside of Europe. For me, this is this is not my agenda. This is just how I feel. Um, if we don't make Europe this season, he he should go. He should, and I don't care whether you replace him with Graham Potter, Chris Coleman, Jordan. You know, I don't care. Like I don't. I genuinely don't care. There are better managers out there um, for me that that can manage this squad better. But Arteta deserves the right to be given the the chance. This is his season. This is his squad, as I keep saying. And we'll see where he ends up. Um, and please do not at Drew in this message because his head will literally explode. Um, but if you can potentially approach Ten Hag Ajax at the end of the season and say, do you fancy something new? He would be a very, very nice fit, I think, in terms of how he sees the game and how he likes to play the game. Um, but I think we'd be at the at the end of a very long queue because I think he's quite well liked in the uh, potential managers for other clubs uh, category. Yeah, he'd definitely answer that question, yes, and then go somewhere else. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Short answer to that. Uh, Danny, I'm going to ask you a question, uh, I think, and it's going to be from I, Claudius. Uh, would you give Arteta one more window to sort the striker situation, or would you change manager now and let the new manager, and I'd say with caveat, and Edu, who would still be here <laughs> and Josh. Uh, get the January window and me not you uh, I think that if we were in this situation last season I would have said just leave it with Arteta but that fourth place is available and we're not getting it under Arteta we may not be getting fifth or sixth under Arteta so this is a really important season because next season Man United are going to be bang on it they're going to spend 200 million player pound on a striker and then they're going to be on it. This is our this is our only chance. Remember when Leicester won the league? That was an open season. Anyone could have won the league. It's the same with this season. So as much as I don't like getting rid of managers, because you start it all over again. Even if we get Man United, they got a short-term manager in. And I think they've won tonight. And they won again. They won, uh, was it their midweek game? Or the, the weekend, I think they won. It can be done as long as you get someone who knows what they're doing. So only for the sake of trying to get that top four and getting them up. Because... Aubameyang can score goals. So can Lacazette if they're used properly. And he's not using them properly. So, adios. Danny makes a really good point really quickly, though. This, if there was ever a season where you could fudge your way into the top four, 
this is that season because there isn't a lot above us. Um, Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea are gone. They're in the distance. There isn't a lot between any of the other clubs. Um, so if there is ever... And look at Wolves right now. Look at a few wins and they're, they've, they're up the table. So, yeah, if there was ever an opportunity, it's this season. I agree with Danny there. Excellent. Uh, question for other Chris as well. Uh, from Phil Macker uh, on the YouTube... I've been saying for some time we fade in the last third. So can we sort this with the current players? And is Arteta capable of sorting it out? Does he mean final third as in final third of the pitch or final third as in the final third of the game? I'm guessing guessing the final third of the pitch. Only because I don't know who splits games up into thirds. That's an excellent point. Um, I think this is the biggest challenge. And this is the thing that's basically got every single one of us not saying what an amazing manager that we've got. Because I think actually what he's done when he came in to build us structurally in the defensive third, I'm kind of okay with. In the midfield third, I've been kind of okay with. It's like nosebleeds as soon as we get into the final third. Now, if you're going to try and be... Um, an apologist for what's happened under Arteta so far, which I don't profess to be. Again, going back to my devil's advocate, um, he has got play. He hasn't. That's the part of the team that he hasn't really influenced and impacted in the transfer market so far. However, the counter argument to that is, well, he spent all of his time and money on defenders when actually maybe he could have balanced that out a little bit by buying uh, different types of creative players or building the team slightly differently. Um, Can Arteta be the one to sort that out? Possibly, if he gets money. Should he be the one to sort that out? I don't know. And going back to the point that you guys were just talking about a minute ago with the managers, you know, Chelsea um, were having a shocker under Lampard last season. They were decisive and they ended up winning the Champions League. Man United have been decisive. They've got a good manager in. Even Aston Villa sacked a guy that, you know, loved the club and had done great things for them, but they were kind of decisive and already Gerard's getting results for them. So there's a lot to be said for being decisive. However, as Chris has already said, Arsenal aren't decisive. And so we know that they won't be decisive. If we lose to Southampton and we lose to um, West Ham and we go on a terrible death spiral run uh, that sees us 11th, 12th, the only way I see that Arteta gets sacked is if we lose the next six or seven games in a row. And it's a bit like the Emery area because I think that it will be two strikes and that's it. But imagine the imagine the extra money from the Amazon documentary if they sacked Arteta and brought a new manager in. Imagine if that manager was Jose Mourinho as well. Oh, don't, 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 don't go there. Jesus, don't, don't shit in the pot. Christ. Which, but, yeah. uh, which player do you think will be grovelling to Josh Kroenke to uh, ask if AC Milan have been in touch again and why is it Ainsley make the <laughs> Yeah, it would be. It would be. And he'd be at Danny, Ra- Danny Rose's house. <laughs> he'd end up, yeah, and he'd end up at uh, Sunderland online. Yeah. Um, just, just, just please, whatever happens, if if Mikel did go at the end of the season, I swear to God, if we get that Argentine fraud in Paris, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm so done. I know. There was a God, question mate. about um, which manager in France you would probably aim for. Anyone. Um, other than Pochettino. Maybe not Claude Puel either. <laughs> or, <laughs> Probably um, wouldn't end well. Is he still in a job? Is he, does he technically no, he's just, count? 
He's just um, been given gardening levers and that's ah, there gone. we go. Um, yeah. Or probably Sam Pauli, because to be honest, as fun as it would be, um, it, it would nobody's be heads would be left. No, uh, no but I do have a question for you, Chris. Uh, talking about French football, um, one was about Gautier, but I don't think um, I think because he's Ren manager at the moment, isn't he? And they are currently like the best no, in nice. the world. Nice. nice. Oh, yeah. Ren is uh, is Pep Genesio. Oh, in France. Yeah. Awkward. Um, he was an excellent manager. Why did Leo sack him? Any uh, Leon sack him? Anyway, um, he was an excellent. No, <laughs> the question I was going to ask you was from Liam Greyhurst, and it's this one about Gigi. Uh, yeah, I mean it. It would make sense. It would make sense. Why? But, um, why, why? Why is it even a possibility? Because he's, What's he's not. Because stops. It's only three stops on the tube. He's not getting game time at, at PSG at all. He, he signed for, for you know under, as a free agent, but under quite a lot of hype, and he's just not getting game time at PSG. So it, it would make sense in terms of the sort of profile of player we we could make use of. Um, but and and the wage structure because PSG probably wouldn't you know we wouldn't need to pay too much for him. It would be a very uh, kind of well you cover the wages, we'll give him some minutes type of situation. Um, but again, I think there'd be bigger clubs than us that would probably be ahead of the queue, personally. Um, yeah, I, I like him. I like I like Gini one other. I think he's I think he's a very a very decent and underrated midfielder. Um, surprised Liverpool were willing to. Well, I think he wanted to move, didn't he? But yeah, it's not worked out at PSG. But and here's the caveat: the floor in the ointment again is um, a certain M Pochettino might be might not be in Paris much longer so i mean we'll see i think you'll probably will see out the season but i wouldn't be surprised if when adam says you know what i'll i'll stick this out and uh and i'll move on at the end of the season if if i don't get a new manager then so i mean it know. could have been worse he could have ended up at barcelona there was just two choices there is that there is that i mean he, he but he could go to barcelona as well he could end up there to be fair um but yeah he he's he's definitely a good player like you don't become a bad player every night he's just not getting games yeah, that is that is fair, but you know, there's a better player honest. in Liga that we could go for though, Josh. Uh, the one that um, got relegated for Swansea, that one. Mm, are we thinking about the, the same one here? The Saint Leo. Ronaldo. No, 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 not Ronaldo Sanchez. He oh, the the the, the big. Oh, mm-hmm. maybe I thought you were going to talk about Lons midfielder came through Man City's academy. Um, yeah. he's he's an absolute beast and he is arguably one of the most informed midfielders in Europe right now. Is that the one um, you tweeted about the other day? Yes. Uh, he's, he is uh, he is fantastic. Just go and watch his performance against PSG. Absolutely ran that midfield. Runs for days. Engine to die for. Uh, goal threat. Powerful. Oh, just what a wonderful player. Yeah. Or anyone from Brest because they've scored in every game this season. That's what I do they remember have. about them. Uh, remember, rests, you always score. Yeah. Um, do I have any more questions that we've got in here? Um, would any of us consider Rogers coming in for Arteta no. from formerly Noza? Um, nope. No. Um, no would you take Jean-Paul Gaultier as the uh, replacement <laughs> of Arteta? I mean, he'd smell nice. Uh, Great looking kids. Gaultier. You, you, no. you mean Gautier of Nice? No, he, yeah. he's he's part of the Nice project under a lot of money. Uh, he ain't going nowhere. We we missed the boat last summer. I would have done last summer though. Very good. Yeah, coach. he's he's a Nice manager, but is he a good manager? 
Very good. Move on. Yep, I know I am. It was easy. It was there. Um, much like the joke I told uh, everybody before. Oh, the podcast. God. Don't, yeah, don't. That's an excellent podcast. Love hanging fruit. Oh, I know. Right. Um, Danny, I think. Oh, here's a good question from Julian Salmon. Because I said this to Kevin Campbell and I haven't been let back on their podcast since. <laughs> um, I think, to be fair, I said it in September. Uh, yeah. Would, uh, yeah, Chris, uh, other Chris, sorry, I'll start with you first. Would you consider an offer for Thomas Partey? No, I certainly would not because he is a class midfielder. He's just in bad form at the moment. And I also think that he picked up a knock and is probably one of these players like Aaron Ramsey that takes five or six games before you actually start to see him purring again. So I think he will get better. Um, we just need to see it out. And then he can go off to the African nations when he just starts to hit form. <laughs> other, other Chris? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> But the, the actual question is, lads, would you, would you now, well, I think you meant now, but would you now consider offers for party? It depends if it's at Downing Street or not, doesn't it? Because, you know, relevant uh, jokes yeah. and things. Uh, no, uh, no, I wouldn't. Uh, Chris is nail on the head. You know, you, you don't become a bad player overnight. He, um, he just need, he needs the right partner. Um, look how many partners he's had in the last six or seven years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what he needs, you know what he needs? What he needs? That's what he needs. He needs big Frankie, big cock in the midfield next to him. I watched um, the 2015 FA Cup final the other night. Did you? Oh, Frankie Cock. Great. Oh, big cock. I'd love Ozil, when, when we won, Ozil didn't celebrate any of the goals of anybody. And Ramsey ran up to him and went to do a high five, and Ozil just stood there and then walked off. And who wouldn't want to celebrate a big cock? I mean, you know. But uh, would, no, he wouldn't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with Chris. He's spot on. You, you don't become bad overnight. He just he needs the right he needs the right run of games. Maybe the Afcon might do him good. You know, getting away from our our uh, our cesspit at the moment and giving him a bit of a break because he plays well for Ghana. Um, and some sunshine that must have an effect yeah, when you come sunshine. from a country where it's always sunny, and then you're playing your league football in a country where it's mostly sunny, and then coming to the shithole that is N five. And he needs rhythm, like Chris said. Like he's a player, he needs he needs consistent amount of games. Get get some rhythm, um, and he um, and he needs a, a better manager. Oh, oh, did I go there? Sorry. Should bring Grace Jones in because she's a slave to the rhythm. Oh, I say shit unless you're loaded. I, I can't. Really I, I can't. I just can't. See, Chris thought I was going to uh, troll him with his opinions. Instead, I'm just going to annoy him with bad jokes. That's what he thought. Okay. Just honestly, if um, anyone subscribed to this channel after that joke, I, I, I mean, I, I that's mean, the title of the podcast. Is, Danny, this, uh, do you want to take the questions off me now? Because I think I think it's run its course. Take the questions. Well, I'll answer. Um, yes. The real Gian has put a couple in there, and as he threw some money, as he's put six goals from set pieces, eighteen goals overall in eight, fifteen games. Who's at fault, Josh? Uh, oh, this one. Yeah. Uh, six goals from set pieces. Not our new set piece coach. Look at that. Give him a six goals. Oof. Bring in, yeah. Obviously, that change has come in. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about 12 goals from open play in 15 games. I think it's the striker for me. Uh, I know we're not creating a lot, but it is kind of a chicken and egg. Is that having nothing to create off of is as much of a problem of creating balls for nothing. 
you know like kieran tierney going down the line and putting in a load of crosses and we go oh that's a lovely cross and no one being there who's at fault there is it kieran tierney for running down the line and putting a cross in for no one or is it the fact that there's no player there to be on the end of it or they missed the, six inches yeah i mean that also doesn't help when uh poor little eddie can't score um and alba Oh, Anoba. And a couple uh, of glaring short misses. Um, there were quite a few against Everton where clearly we need to do some finishing training. Uh, and I would say that our defence isn't that good that none of our players can get shots off uh, in training. Uh, I mean, we've still got Pablo Mari and uh, Callum Chambers for them to shoot against. So it should be all right. They must um, be like... Uh, cones in training people just running in and out of like they're just there for that now it's... i think everybody just you know now that the novelty's worn off that rob holding's got a new hairline i think they just don't talk <laughs> yeah, to him anymore he now. he's like he's well gone. you know what happened he couldn't head the ball for seven weeks after his oh, uh his head has swollen up <laughs> and just you wait i mean you know in january kolosinac should be fit and it'll be like a new signing can't wait <laughs> Yeah. Um, there you go, Danny. That was Lovely. all the questions and only two, maybe three terrible jokes in it. Jolly good. Right. There we go. We're all done. Two hours and seven minutes. It's, uh, it's always just so much fun. We just waffle on. We will be back on what, what is the, the 11th. This website needs to put what day of the week the 11th is. Oh, Saturday, playing Southampton at three o'clock. I will be getting up early because at 2, 2 p.m. on Saturday, live preview show with me and Glenn uh, in New York. And we do it an hour before kickoff because I had no idea all these years that's when the team sheet is released, an hour before kickoff. I had no idea until our Nick told us. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. Plus, it reminds you a lot to come back later and watch the show. So then we're after the show, we would do an ABW Live. Just going to have a look and who is on. It is, oh, it's me and Nick again. Oh, that's good. And then the West Ham preview game is me and Dragor Varda, Drag Romanian Guna. Bulgarian Guna. I always get those two places mixed up. Don't and then, get it mixed up when you speak to one of them. No, you will get, get slashed in the face. Well, my friend George is a delivery <sighs> bloke and he is um, one of them. <laughs> I'm not going to say I can't remember. <laughs> and then the post game for West Ham is me and Stan the Man. And uh, we might have some other people on those ones. Uh, what else is If you've enjoyed the show, click it, click like. If you haven't, go to the Gooners podcast and click thumbs down. Subscribe if you really feel like it. And thanks to our guest, uh, other Chris. Very kind of you to turn up again. You've been very good. Legend. Thank you very and, much. Uh, thank you very much to the Chris. You're welcome. I'll be back after we take another humiliating loss. If we win any games, don't expect to see me anytime soon because there's a pattern developing here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm joking. God, I'm and a sense of humour. Also, thanks, Josh. Lovely to see you back in such a festive mood. Oh, yeah. It's great to be but great to be back and great being here winding up Chris on the internet uh, for a lot of people to see because sometimes it gets lost in WhatsApp. I think we all need to give uh, Jeff Hullen from a special, special, maybe even a, an enticement like that to try and coo, back in. Like the dove from above. Can we also say a big shout out to Steve Richardson in the chat? He's clearly an Everton yes. fan and has Everton put up with our waffle he... for two hours. So fair play to you, Steve. Things must be really bad at Everton if you have to tune in to watch us lot talk shite. <laughs> he didn't mention. He mentioned about the Everton Stadium. They filled in the lock. I watched a documentary on that on YouTube. Very good. It's going to be an amazing stadium. Um, but thanks to all the people that have been there the whole time. And finally, I want to say thank you to J Rob. 
who stuffed two dollars down other Chris's pants. He's going to spend it all on Kinder Eggs. And the real Giannis, who gave us $10 dues. That is, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Maybe buy myself some more kittens. So uh, thank you very much to you two. Right, we'll be back on Saturday. And uh, see you all later. Goodbye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>